Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of the Cookie Chronicles podcast. On today's episode, I was joined by play-by-play broadcaster Lyle Goldstein to preview the AL West uh, ahead of this upcoming MLB season. Uh, our conversation um, that the conversation that I had with Lyle also included some March Madness talk at the top um, after the first day of the round of. 32. So I hope you guys all enjoy listening to that. Um, I think that's the first 10, 15 ish minutes of the podcast. Uh, so that was some good stuff as well. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Lyle. All right. Joining me on the podcast now for the first time is Lyle Goldstein. What's up, man? How's it going? Hey, Koki, how are you? Nice to be on with you. All righty. Awesome. Um, I think before we get to all this AOS stuff, I think we do have to um, at least mention what's been happening today. Uh, today was the first of two days for the round of 32 with the, with the March Madness tournament. I know you have a bracket. Um, my bracket's been screwed so far. I, I just kind of want to like talk about this a little bit before we get into some baseball stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Um, like, out of all the upsets today, which one was the most surprising, you think? It's hard not to say Oral Roberts, isn't it? I mean, a 15 seed advancing to the Sweet 16, that's only happened once ever before today, and it was Florida Gulf Coast. So that one, Florida isn't great, in my opinion. They weren't a bad team. Obviously, they're pretty athletic. But, you know, to see a 15 seed win two games, that's not something you see every year. Mm, That's a – that's this is an interesting question because it was – I was kind of like – torn between uh that or maybe even the loyal chicago game given how good illinois is but i love that loyal chicago team so i don't really want to pick that game um i don't know i, was, I think oregon state beating oklahoma state today might be the biggest upset honestly you think so yeah i don't know oklahoma state to me i mean they were really good in fact i thought they were going to play illinois in the sweet 16 and i went back and forth with that hypothetical pick forever in my bracket But at the same time, I guess looking at Oklahoma State, they are kind of that freshman-heavy team, obviously relying heavily on Kate Cunningham, where some of these freshman-heavy teams in the tournament can get bounced out easily because of lack of experience. Now, did I think Oregon State was going to beat Oklahoma State? Absolutely not. But in hindsight, I guess I can see how that one happens more than a 15 seed going to the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah. And it's just – Oregon State, given where they were at the beginning of the season, um, uh, voted in as the tw- as the worst team in the Pac-12, and here they are in the Sweet 16. Like that might be the most unbelievable um, fact. I mean, if you told me this a month ago that Oregon State would make the Sweet 16, I'd tell you you were crazy. I mean, and, and we've talked about this on our show a little bit on our uh, Harris Highlight Show podcast. Obviously, usually we're uh, dedicated to college football, but we had a March Madness show. And we were talking about, we didn't even think this was the best Oregon State team in the last two or three years. I mean, when Oregon State had Trace Tinkle and both the Thompson brothers, like I thought that team was better than this team. So to see this Oregon State team get all the way to the Sweet 16, I mean, I don't know. It still still blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's just unbelievable. Um, It's it's been a lovely last uh, few days in terms of March Madness. Um, I think we're at the point where there's almost too many upsets, you know? Mm So to the point where we get to the lead eight and we get these crummy games and we're like, oh, maybe we maybe we should have rooted for the good teams to like get far into the tournament. But I don't know. We'll see. Or maybe it just makes it that much more interesting if, if you know, we get an 11, 12 elite eight. <laughs> I mean, remember the Kansas State Loyola Chicago elite eight game? 
Mm-hmm. Remember how just like crummy of a game that was? That was that was kind of depressing. But I, I, I here's the thing though. At least Houston's still in there in that Midwest tier for the bracket, right? And I think this loyal Chicago team, they may they may be an eight, but they're really like a three. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, Ken Palm has him at nine in his rankings. So he he and other people seem to believe they're a lot better than what their ranking says. It's just the fact that they're a small school. So yeah, I mean. If they hang with some more of these big teams, obviously they just knocked off Illinois, but if they continue to win games, I guess it should be hard to be surprised at this point. Yeah. And I mean, just, if you just watch them play their ball movement, how well coached they are, how well they play defensively, um, how they run their, run their offense to the big and Crutwig. Like mm-hmm. I, it's, it's hard for me to believe that you've watched that team and you're like eight seed. I, I don't know. They, they play too pretty a basketball and they have too many good athletes on the perimeter. They have, they have solid shooting. I don't, I, they, they don't really, I don't look at their team. I don't see any major um, weaknesses with them. You know, maybe a couple of mismatches you, you can expose, but like they don't yeah. do that, that well in college. So. And maybe eventually when they run into a really athletic team from one of these power five schools, they might fall a little bit behind although actually thinking about it that maybe that's not fair to say because that was Illinois I said how in the world is Cameron Crutwig gonna stop Kofi Coburn and he did it today I mean yeah <laughs> I mean I guess Coburn still had a good game but the fact that Loyola Illinois, or Loyola Chicago prevailed in that was you know yeah. it's still crazy so how far can they go I mean I thought they might lose to Georgia Tech in the first round now that was before Moses Wright was announced he wasn't going to play for Georgia Tech um, but at this point, like, I'm not going to doubt them at this point. Um, like everybody's saying on Twitter today, uh, stop betting against sister Jean. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Stop betting against sister Jean. Um, we have the Syracuse Houston matchup coming up soon. That's going to be fascinating. Uh, I mean, Oral Roberts is in the sweet 16. We it's, it's just been a wild, it, it's been two years of pent up energy has just been exploded onto the scene in March madness this year in terms of all the upsets and the madness. So um, it's just been a delight. It's been an absolute delight. Um, yeah, but that, with that said though, we're, we're here to talk about baseball, actually. Um, you know, America's America's pastime, uh, my favorite sport. I think you, your favorite sport as well. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Exactly. Our favorite sports. Um, and we're here to talk about the ALS. This is Lyle's division. This is Lyle's backyard. Uh, so as we've done with these, um, LV previews, we start at the bottom, we work our way up. Um, so in fifth place, just to start this off with the AL West, I picked the Texas Rangers. Um, this was a pretty easy selection, uh, to pick them as the last place team last year. They went 22 and 38. Uh, they finished 20th in the league in weighted runs grade plus 23rd in the league in FIP, and 26th in the league in defensive war. They lost a whole host of dudes. Um, it took not only did they only win 22 games last year, they lost a whole bunch of, uh, key contributors from last year's team as well. Elvis Andrews, uh, Rafael Montero, Lance Lynn, Corey Kluber, Jesse Chavez, Scott Heineman, Shinsu Chu, Edison Volquez, Juan Nicasio, Derek Dietrich, Andrew Romine, Jeff Mathis, Luke Farrell, and Danny Santana. And they added a bunch of filler. Um, Mike Fultinowitz, Ian Kennedy, Tyson Ross, Brock Holt, Hyung Jong Yang. <laughs> I hope I said that right. Uh, Nick Vincent, John Hicks, the line of the shield, Sam Gaviglio, Justin Anderson, Drew Butera, Charlie Culberson, Kohei Arihara, David Dahl, Jarrell Cotton, Chris Davis, Nate Lowe, Avery Weems, and Dane Dunning. Um, it's not the murderer's row of uh, names 
in terms of what they added. I was going to say, there's some names in there. Jarrell Cotton was once like a, a highly touted guy for the A's, I want to say in 2016. He got yeah. off to a hot start. Or I mean, you, you had Nick Vincent in there. He was in the Mariners bullpen forever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm right with you. I think it's a pretty easy pick to put the Rangers in fifth place. I mean, there's no doubt they're rebuilding. Um, you know, there's a couple guys in their lineup that you can obviously turn to and, and hope for the best. You, know, you hope Joey Gallo can get his average up above 225 for, for once, or, you know, you hope maybe David Dahl, um, can turn into a productive outfielder, but yeah, they're, they're kind of in a big rebuild mode here. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick look at their lineup. Um, I don't want to spend too, too much time on this last place team, even though sure. in, during these previews, we've actually spent a weird amount of time on the last place teams, but uh-huh. it's okay. It, it's just kind of the way the conversation has gone. Um, so their lineup as it stands, according to uh, roster resource at the moment, it's Isaiah Kiner Falefa, uh, David Dahl, Joey Gallo, Rugnet Odor, Nick Solak, Nate Lowe, Ronald Guzman, Jose Trevino, and Leody Tavares. That's a very bad lineup. Um, even though Willie Calhoun is out right now with a strained groin, um, even if you add him into the lineup, there's really only two hitters in this order that I really trust. I think Dahl's really talented, and when he's on the field, he's good. But, I mean, last year wasn't very good for him. He's always hurt. It, it, I mean, just ask a Rockies fan. Like, he's and he's kind of been an enigma his whole career despite his talent. Um, I mean, Kiner Falefa plays a bunch of different positions, so he has some value, but he's never, ever hit. Rudy Odor hasn't hit in four years. Uh, Nick Solak has some promise, but hasn't quite busted through um, at second base. And then, like, Nate Lowe is kind of like Ray's scraps, even though he has a little bit of promise as well. Kiner Falefa is a little bit interesting, and, and I'm not saying that's a reason that the Rangers should, should be on Sunday Night Baseball every week, but... <laughs> Kind of an interesting guy, right? I mean, he, he was a catcher. Now he's going to be basically the premier shortstop after losing Elvis Andrews. That's kind of the story if, if you're a Rangers fan and want to follow along. <laughs> can, can I just say this, though, about Joey Gallo? Okay. I, and, I've, and I've had this take about him forever. Like, if this guy could just hit 230 every year, he would be like a perennial all-star. Like, I mean, if he hit 230 every year, his OPS would be – way up over 900. I mean, he'd probably have his home run totals racked up in the forties. Like he's had in years past. Like if he could just walk a little bit more, strike out a little bit less and pick up a couple more base hits, this guy would be a perennial all-star. Like look at 2019 uh, in, to be fair, small sample size, but in 70 games, he hit 253. His OPS was 986 and he made the all-star game. The problem is there are years where his OPS is 870 but he's hitting below the Mendoza line. Like this is probably who Joey Gallo is at this point, especially entering his age 27 season. But I don't know, just the guy that I've gotten to watch so much over the years being in the AL West, I always just kind of wish, can we just see him hit for a little bit of a higher average? Cause I think that would be such a fun guy to watch if he did. Yeah. His hit tool has never developed to the level where we wanted it to be acceptable. Right. He's actually mm-hmm. turned into like a decent defender. Like you can put him into a bunch of different spots, probably not center field, which is what they've done a couple times <laughs> in the past, but, but still like he's a fine defender and he's still a productive hitter. Like he's an above average baseball player. He's pretty good. Um, it's just, it, 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 it's just, yeah, there is that potential whole potential part of it. Right. Because he was a top 10, top 12 prospect at one point coming up through the Rangers system. And we were expecting mm-hmm. very big things for him and, we kind of got, you know, the middle of like 
kind of the median of what we, we could have got, right? Um, yeah, I'd agree with between, that. Between like all star and out of the league, instead we got a pretty good player, you know? Right. So. Yeah. Um, and then there, it, and then like you mentioned Falefa, like that that's gonna be kind of a fun experiment with him at shortstop. He, he'll probably be able to do it and do it fine. Um, he can play a whole bunch of different positions. Like even if he really doesn't work out at short, they have Culberson to throw in there, which isn't great, but it's a body. Um, it, it, I don't know. It, they don't have any hitters though. If you look at this roster, Jose Trevino, the, and at the end of the lineup is Jose Trevino, Leo de Tavares. Tavares used to be a top five prospect. Um, hasn't really panned out in the major leagues yet. He's only 22 though. So he's kind of one of the few interesting guys in this order. I think Solak and Lowe are kind of interesting as well. Um, Lowe was with the Rays and has had and was a top former top 100-ish sort of prospect guy. Rays got rid of him because they needed some spots in their 40-man roster um, and they wanted to keep you know, the first base tandem that they already had. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a t- whole ton to say about this order. Just a lot of not good hitters, you know, just not a lot of, not a lot of hitting and not a lot of defense either. You know, the nice way to put it is I think the best thing the Rangers can be looking forward to this year is hypothetically, if, if some of their prospects come up and produce, like if Josh, if Josh Young gets a chance this year, that's mm. probably what they'll be looking forward to. Or if Sam Huff develops a little bit more, that's probably the Rangers best hope. Because again, I mean, there are some guys that might flash at times in this lineup, like Dahl or like Gallo, as we mentioned, but there's just a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty in this lineup, which is why people are probably picking them to finish in last. Yeah. And it, it and the pitching's even worse. That's the thing. Um, I mean, I, I guess with their lineup, there's a couple of guys that you're like, Oh, interesting. So lack low and doll, right. They're, they're rolls of the dice. Um, they're guys who have some talent. Um, but really other than that, and got, including Gallo, really other than that, it's just a lot of, a lot of garbage and their bench is quite bad as well. Um, Jonah Heim, Eli White, Charlie Culberson, and Chris Davis. Um, do you have any any hope for Chris Davis this season? Uh, hope to hit 247 or hope for him to, like, really produce? Or to be decent again. He's been, he's been bad for two years now. That's, that's very true. Hey, I, I'm rooting for him to hit 247 again. I think that's, like, one of the coolest things ever. It's, it's like one of the – if you're a baseball nut like we are – uh, and obviously you and I will dive into analytics and sabermetrics a lot when we look at the game a certain way, yeah. but even something as simple as batting average for a guy to hit 247 for four consecutive years, 247 exactly. I mean, how in the world does that happen? I mean, you would almost have to like, you could try a hundred times and I feel like <laughs> that wouldn't happen. I mean, I don't know. Uh, do I think Chris Davis can be an impact guy again this year? Maybe moving to Texas and a warmer climate will help him a little bit, although that new ballpark down in Arlington is a lot bigger than the old one. Um, I, I guess the easy answer would be his best years are probably behind him. He, he'll probably hit some home runs, but I don't see him putting up much of an average at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's either him or low for that DH spot, so I think that it looks like it's going to be some sort of platoon at the moment, so uh, we'll see how that's going to work out um, with their very strange lineup now. Uh, and their rotation's even worse. It's Kyle Gibson, who was really, really bad last season. Um, had a pretty solid 2019, was quite bad last year. You could say he's a bounce-back candidate for next season, but his FIP was pretty bad last season, combined with the fact that he's 33 
And, you know, his whole track record kind of suggests that he's at best a low to mid four starter who his, whose best days are likely behind him. Not a lot of confidence in that guy heading into this year. Uh, then the next is Kohei Arihara. We have no idea how good he's going to be since he's coming from Japan. Uh, Jordan Lyles, who's just awful. Uh, Mike Fultinowitz, who's kind of interesting. Like their back end's actually kind of interesting. They, the, the Fultinowitz and Dane Dunning could be their best starters by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, Dunning's the top 100 prospect. They traded for him for a reason. So they're hoping to get something out of him. And then Fulton Evitz, I mean, he had some good years in Atlanta. So I'm with you. Um, if they're going to get. Vol- yeah, can he find his velocity again, right? Because, I mean, he lost his velocity uh, toward the back end of those years in Atlanta. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, if those three, four guys end up putting up any type of production, you could see them quickly turn into your one, two guys. Yeah, yeah. Right now, it's wild. Like Dane Dunning, right now, they have him listed as the fifth starter. I, I would probably take him over all these guys at this point. Um, Dunning yeah, I would was pretty agree. Solid. Yeah, he was pretty solid last season. His ERA, FIP, XFIP, all those, all those good numbers. His strikeout rate was pretty good. Um, he's only 26, so there's there's plenty of ceiling there. Um, he throws throws quite hard. I, I, I don't know. I like him, and I think it was it was a pretty good piece to get in the Lance Lynn trade. Um, and it was time for them to move on from Lance Lynn after last season. Uh, and apparently they tried to, uh, over the trade deadline, but Lynn basically wasn't, didn't want to get traded. It sounded like, or else it was, you know, he would, he would have opted out of the season for COVID reasons, but not actually, but yeah, you know what I mean? In that sort of situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so he didn't want to. He, there, so there were certain teams that he didn't want to get traded to, and he, I mean, they ended up dealing him later anyway. But that's which I guess, which I guess is funny because you would think if he was getting dealt somewhere, he's probably getting dealt to a team that was trying to get into the playoffs. So you would think he'd want to pitch for a team that's in postseason contention. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Every 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 player's got his own little thing. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, next up is the bullpen. Um, right now their bullpen is in a strange state right now. Uh, part of the reason is because Jonathan Hernandez, uh, Brett Martin and Joely Rodriguez are all hurt. Uh, all guys who could contribute to this bad bullpen this season, uh, especially Jonathan Hernandez. He was really good last year for them. Uh, really interesting, uh, back end, back end bullpen guy, probably one of the more underrated arms in major league baseball, to be honest. And then, uh, but as it stands right now, it's Jose Leclerc is the, is the closer. He's pretty talented. I, I, I have some trust in him to being pretty solid this season. He, he's definitely a trade candidate as well for a contender. Um, if they need some bullpen help and then the rest of the bullpen is just a lot of guys you've never heard of before. <laughs> um, Matt Bush, remember him? He's Former back. number one overall pick Matt Bush. Yeah. He's back again because. Matt Bush hasn't pitched since 2019 and he's back on an NRI with the, with the Rangers. And at, at the moment he's in the projected bullpen on roster resource. Uh, then it's Taylor Hearn. who's actually pretty solid last season. Josh Sabors, who they got into trade for the Dodgers. Um, Hyung Yang Jang, Hyung Jang Yang. I've never heard of before who apparently was in the KBO. Um, Brett DeGoyce rule five pickup from the Dodgers. Colby Allard, the failed uh, Braves prospect and, uh, and the long guy right now is Wes Benjamin. So it, it's, I, I, I don't know. This could be the worst bullpen in the league. It, it, there's a chance. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I like Leclerc. I, I mean, two years ago or three years ago now, 2018, Jose Leclerc was one of the five best relievers in baseball. But yeah. the issue with relievers, aside from the elite guys, your Araldis Chapman, your Josh Haters, your prime Craig Kimbrels, most relievers are kind of like kickers in football where they're up and down. They'll have a great year and then they won't have such a great year. And then maybe in two years, they'll have another really good year, but you just never know. Right. That's yeah. kind of who Jose, that's kind of who Jose Leclerc is. I mean, he's had some really good years the last two years. He, or I mean, last year, he only threw two innings, but 2018, he had a great year in 2019. He wasn't so great. 2021, you would think with his health, he has a chance to bounce back, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that's really the only, real name in this bullpen i mean i guess other than hernandez like you talked about but other than that it, you know they're gonna they're gonna be piecing this thing together all year yeah i mostly agree um the his fifth has been actually pretty solid for his whole career for most of his career um mm-hmm. since 2018 he hasn't had a fifth over 3.59 which is actually very good for a reliever um probably got a little bit lucky in that 2019 season that you were referring to uh, he walked a lot of guys that year, 5.1 walk rate, which isn't good per nine, which is just not very good at all. Um, but yeah, you know, he's talented. I think he's pretty good. So if he gets off to a hot start, like I think they should definitely deal him for something. Um, it, he, he's just a really interesting trade candidate. Same probably is with Jonathan Hernandez, despite the fact he's 24 years old. Um, but yeah, like that's the range. That's pretty much the Rangers for you. And I know we just zipped through this team, but it, there's not a lot to, celebrate about these guys um i mean maybe tyson ross makes the roster and he starts games for them i'm really i'm like i'm grasping for straws here Um, yeah i was gonna say i mean that it's been so long since since he's been irrelevant i feel like yeah it's i mean him and joe ross it's not really working out for the rosses uh jerome cotton that we mentioned earlier uh joe palumbo has has major league experience i don't know i'm I, there's not a lot there, there's not a lot here maybe brock holt makes the roster I yeah i mean the rangers have a top five pick in this upcoming draft and in all likelihood they probably will again in 2022 yeah pretty much um i, I don't know if this who what's the worst team in the american league i think it's the orioles when we did the orioles preview like they had like three starters you've never heard of before their bullpen was horrible, horrible, and their lineup had three good hitters. Yeah. So the two worst teams last year were, of course, the Tigers and the Orioles. But you would, or you know, I, or I guess two years ago it was the Tigers and the Orioles. The last full season we had. It's hard to imagine that the Tigers wouldn't be better this year if they, you know, if Casey Mize improves, if they get Matt Manning up, if they get Scooble up, and or Scooble was up, but if he gets a full season and produces. It feels like the Tigers' upside is a lot higher than the Orioles. I mean, if the Orioles are really going to throw out, like, Felix and Wade LeBlanc and others to be in that rotation, like, that feels like bad news. I, I, would, I would probably say it's the Orioles. And the Tigers' lineup was a little bit frisky with, like, Jonathan Scope and Robbie Grossman. At least this is, that's from my memory from when we mm-hmm. did the AL Central preview. Um, yeah, I think the Rangers are probably the second worst team in the league. Um, just given that they've lost a lot of dudes that you kind of forgot that they lost. Like, oh yeah, they traded for Lance Lynn early in the offseason. Oh yeah, Shinsu Chu is just kind of gone now. They traded away Elvis Andrews. Like they 
at last year that looked like they were going to try to maybe make a playoff run, right? And this offseason, they were like, oh, no way. We're just going to be now the second worst team um, in the American League and one of the five worst teams in baseball. So, yeah, it's a tough Yeah, one. I would agree. Um, yeah, I, it, I guess we didn't talk a lot about Leody Tavares. He could be interesting for them. Um, former top 100 prospect guy. Uh, can he, you know, uh, uh, do something exciting this season for them in center field? We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the Rangers for you. Let's move on. Uh, my fourth place team. I had to think about this a little bit actually, and I almost didn't pick this team for fourth place. Uh, but for fourth place, I picked the Seattle Mariners and, uh, I almost, I came this close to picking the angels instead. Very, very close, but I'm going to be honest. I have the angels in fourth. That's just Ooh, me. But, okay. But, yeah. Okay. Now we can kind of combine these two teams and start okay. debating like, like pieces of each team against each other. All righty. Awesome. So let's just get through the Mariners. Some of their uh, rankings really quickly here. 2020 last year, 27 and 33. They went 27 and 33. Uh, they had a team wager earth crew plus that finished in 23rd team fifth that finished in 24th and a team defensive war that finished in 14th. The lost and add on this team isn't very much. They didn't have a very, they didn't have a super active offseason. They lost Carl Edwards Jr., Nestor Cortez, Yoshi Hirano, Dee Range Gordon, Philip Irvin, Tim Lopes. No, they didn't lose anyone of any significance whatsoever. And they added Rafael Montero, Ken Giles, James Paxton, JT Chargua, Taylor Guerreri. Oh, can't say that name. They brought back Ronis Elias again. What's their now- obsession with Ronis Elias? Uh, <laughs> they liked him out of the bullpen. I mean, in 2014, he was a starter. They, yeah, he was in the minors. After he was traded to the Red Sox, they bring him back for a few years. Uh, you probably didn't hear, but he's now getting Tommy John surgery. So is, he, is this the pick. third time they've gotten back Ronis Elias again? I think this is the third time they brought him I'm, back. I'm trying to think if they ever lost him. The Red Sox the had him in, for two years. And I think yeah, he went to see, Washington at one point too, but I don't know. Oh, you're, you're right. You're right. He did go to Washington, but I, so yeah, this will be the third time. I think you're right. Um, which is crazy, but yeah, now he's going to miss the whole year. So I, I feel bad for him, but yeah, I, I guess they like him as a lefty out of the bullpen, but I couldn't tell you. They got uh Paul balls to the wall. Seawald Keenan Middleton for Chris Flexen uh, from the KBO, Sam Travis and Drew Steckenrider. So yeah. that was, I mean, mo- most of the guys that you named that they added, probably won't make the club. Paxton obviously will. Flexen probably will. Um, but most of these guys are probably just non-roster invites that they won't see the field. It's a lot of bullpen depth. Guys you can kind of throw at the wall. Oh, okay. So, okay, let me let me rephrase. Like Rafael Montero, he'll be in the bullpen. Yeah. I, for, I forgot to mention him. Keenan but, Milton, um, him, him too. He he'll probably be in the bullpen. Paul Seawald is depth. Elias was depth. <laughs> Taylor yeah. Gray is depth. Like Drew Steckenrider is is like hoping is, is like a flash in the pan move, totally from his days um, was from his productive days in Miami. So uh, it, yeah, you're you're pretty much right. The guys that they added. Um, so wh- I'm I'm curious before we like totally get into like the nitty gritty with this with this Mariners team. Why do you have them over the uh, ahead of the Angels in the division? Okay, I look at it like this. The Angels' top talent, is it better than the Seattle Mariners' top talent? Of course it is. Trout, Otani, Rendon, you can even throw in David Fletcher. Of course their top talent's better. 
My issue is you look up and down this Angels roster, I just don't see it. Like, I see there's a couple good bats in this lineup. I then see a lot of missing pieces in the bottom half of their lineup. And the big thing for me is the big thing that I kind of point out with them every single year is every year they have a chance to fix their starting pitching. And every year they just seem to do nothing about it. Like they're, they're counting on Jose Quintana and Alex Cobb to be the guys they once were. I mean, I have my doubts. Shohei Otani, obviously they're relying on to be the two way guy they signed him to be. But to this point, despite a great spring training, you know, he has to prove he can stay healthy and, and actually play both ways. Cause that seems to have been a struggle for him since yeah. coming over from Japan too. So that's my big issue with the angels is they have a few good bats, but their starting pitching seems to be lackluster every year. And then they just never seem to piece it together much in the bullpen either. So like, I was a little surprised they didn't sign Jake to Rizzi. Like I thought that would have been a move that could have like boosted that rotation a little bit. You know, you had Heaney in there, you have Bundy in there. You take a chance on uh, Quintana or Cobb with Shohei, with Canning. And then you have Oda Rizzi, who would absolutely make that rotation. That feels like it would kind of strengthen it a little bit. But for whatever reason, they let him go to Houston and he, and he, didn't, he didn't sign with uh, – the Angels didn't really go after him. So that's a long-form answer there, a long-winded answer. But the Angels pitching is just an issue for me every year. And until they prove they've actually fixed it, it's hard for me to put any faith in them. Mm. You make good points, and I actually do agree with you with everything. But my problem with my problem is with picking them ahead of the Angels is the fact that the Mariners bullpen is just awful again. It's just awful. It's just really, really bad. I don't know what else to tell you. It might it might be the worst bullpen in the in the league again. It's Montero's interesting, and when the last time he pitched, but they're he's going to be their like best reliever on the team this year. And I don't know. Then it's like Kendall Graveman and all these other dudes you've mostly never heard of. And that's that like, if their bullpen was like average last season, they could have been a real playoff contender, honestly, but they haven't improved it at all. So I, I don't know, you know, they improved their rotation. They, their lineup, like, improves just from players getting older um but like casey sadler keenan middleton anthony misowitz like I, I how can i trust this that's my problem you have a fair point and there's guys that i have faith in coming later in the season and that's kind of where i hold my hope for this team to start out the year you know Graveman actually throws very very hard when you put him in the bullpen because yeah, he, he had a he serious does. so he had a real injury last year and he basically told the Mariners, like, I don't know if I can fight through the pain as a starter. I think I can do it as a reliever. So they're going to test him out there. I'll be interested to see if he kind of makes something of himself out in the bullpen. Uh, between him and Montero, you know, Sech was okay. You know, he's you know, um, he was at least feasible back there. I'm not saying that Masevich is going to be the best left-handed reliever in the league or anything like that. But I feel like he's just kind of an inning beater. But to your point, you're right. They needed to make significant improvement to their bullpen. It didn't really feel like they did that. The reason I hold out a little bit of hope for their bullpen is I think there's a couple guys coming later in the year that might really contribute. And, and nobody more than Andres Munoz, if he comes back from this Tommy John surgery, it'll probably be late in the summer. But I mean, this is a guy who came over in that Austin Nola trade. He throws 101 miles an hour mm. um, and he's really, really young. So 
a guy like that. And then there's a couple minor league guys that I hold out some hope for. Um, but you're right. I, the bullpen is a problem. It's going to be their question mark all year. But the reason I like the Mariners is, again, when you go back to that talent one through 25 against the Angels, is their bullpen that much worse than the Angels is my question. Like, like it's it's probably a little worse, but it doesn't feel that much worse to me. Uh, you think I, it's that I, much I, worse? I think the Angels bullpen is pretty average, to be honest. And we'll we okay. get to that when, eventually when we get there. But it's the reason why the Mariners – just loaded up with a whole crap ton of NRIs at the back end of their, uh, in the back end of their 40 man depth and also have guys like Domingo Tapia and Aaron Fletcher in, in, in like on the 40 man roster as, as a uh, minor league guys. So they got, I mean, Jimmy Yacobonis is on an NRI, JT Chargois, who I mentioned earlier, Brady Lale, um, it's just a whole, it's just like a lot of guys you just kind of throw at the wall and hope they work out. And it's kind of a desperation mode for the bullpen, sort of like what the Cubs are doing right now. Um, well, I yeah, think it's most, okay. it's, it's, I think most of those guys you named probably won't see much time in the bullpen guys. Like you said, like Brady Lale or like Yacobonis probably will not be pitching. Like the guys you'll probably see are Montero, Graveman, Gerber, Masevich, um, Middleton, so guys with some upside, like Keenan Middleton was once a very good reliever, yeah, but it's been yeah. a long time since he's done anything. That was so worth, again, that was worth it. I, I thought that was worth the, the risk. Keenan Middleton. Yeah. He was yeah. I mean, 20, what, 18. Yeah. And again, it's a guy that throws hard. He was once the angels closer. It's just a matter of, again, can he stay healthy and can he put together a full season? Mm, mm. Yeah. It, and I, and I, and I do, and I think, I think Montero can back bounce back this season. I, I wouldn't be stunned if he, that works out for them. It's just the rest of the bullpen. It's, I don't know, not a ton of upside there. Uh, it's just a lot of, there's some risk guys. Uh, it, it's not ideal. And I guess even, even if Munoz is healthy and, and comes in, then great. You might, you have maybe two good relievers. And again, their bullpen was the downfall of this team last season. If you remember, right? Yeah, oh, 100%. It was it was by far the worst bullpen in the American League. Yeah, and it was like, it, I think it was an entire win when you base it off war. It was, in, it was an entire win worse than the next worst team. So I'm basically holding it to, okay, despite them being under 500, they were fighting for a playoff spot with a bullpen that bad. And I'd like to think, again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you their bullpen is amazing. What I am going to say is, it's hard to believe it could possibly be as bad as it was last year. I mean, last year they were throwing out guys like Zach Groats. And I mean, Zach Groats would go out there and he wouldn't even get an out. So I think the guys that they're putting out there this year, again, the Monteros, the Gravemans, the Middletons, like they're cheap guys with upside that throw hard. And I think that's kind of how you have to piece a bullpen together, especially if you're in a rebuild mode like the Mariners, is, is you have to find some guys that have some upside and, and hope a few of them pan out. Misovich was actually pretty solid last season. I'm going to take that back. He he had a he had a 3.04 FIP. Babbitt against was was it despite the fact that the Babbitt against was 367. Like oh that's not bad. That's actually pretty good. Alrighty, interesting. Yeah, and and I'm sure we're about to dive into the the meat of these two teams in a second. And I know we just spent a chunk of time here talking about the bullpen, but the reason I'm putting the Mariners stock a little bit above the Angels is because I really buy probably more than most people, what's going to be in their starting lineup and honestly what's going to be in their rotation for the most part, where, again, it's, it's the rotation with the Angels. 
Yeah, the rotation isn't bad. Let's get to the Mariners' rotation here. Let's get into the uh, the bread and butter. We talked a lot about their bullpen. Um, we kind of went through each guy. We actually, do you know anything? I don't know a lot about Will Vest. Do you know anything about Will Vest? Yeah, he was a Rule Five pick from the Tigers. I mean, he's supposed to throw hard, although he's been struggling in the spring. So I would guess they'll put him on the opening day roster so they don't have to give him back and at least see what they've gotten him. But with him, the expectations I would guess are a little low. A lot of real five this guys, a lot of real five guys this year. It seems mm-hmm. like interesting. Yeah, um, the rotation. I kind of like the rotation. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I, I think some people would look at it and be like, "This rotation sucks," but there's there's some decent upside here, and I don't think the floor is quite as bad as some people may think it is. Marco Gonzalez is a really good pitcher. He's a solid, rock solid number three major league major league baseball pitcher on a good rotation. Um, he's the number one for this team, but I don't know that this team has a bunch of guys who could at least be number threes on good teams. I feel like. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and to be honest, like you look at what Marco Gonzalez was doing last year, like if there had been an all-star game, he would have been an all-star. Like, I mean, his ERA was low. Whip was incredibly low. His, his, uh, strikeout to walk ratio was great. I mean, He's not the reason he doesn't stand out to people is because he's not a Jacob Degrom. He's not going to yeah. blow a hundred by five people. He's a finesse pitcher. He hits his spots. He sits eighty-eight to eighty-nine, uh, and he just finds ways to get people out. So um, he kind of gets overlooked for that reason. But yeah, he's he's a stud. He's and he's really solid. Yeah, I mean, of his fifth, the last three, it's not just. I mean, people do overlook him because of the lack of like pop stuff right the the fastball like the really the, the sharp breaking stuff but i mean just look i mean the analytics like him like his fifth the last three years 3.4 4.1 3.3 that's really good and he throws strikes too his walk rates have been really low every almost every single year of his career um i mean he he, he more or less keeps the ball in the ballpark his strikeout rate was even up to almost up to nine for nine last season as well so i, I he's good He's just really good. He's like a really, he's a really good number three starting pitcher in the major leagues, if not better. Um, mm-hmm. And then the rest of the bullpen, the rest of the rotation, just a lot of interesting cases. You know, uh, there's Yusei Kukuchi, who has had two very poor seasons of ERA play, but his fifth last year was at 3.3. So, I mean, there, there was actually some improvement, um, at least according to the peripherals. So are you totally out on him? I, I, I feel like to understand Kukuchi, you need to watch him every day. I'm kind of one foot in, one foot out. And in fact, my friend likes to joke that if Kikuchi goes five innings and gives up three runs instead of six innings giving up three runs, he calls that a Yusei Kikuchi quality start or whatever. <laughs> um, it's it's a little hard. I never really understood what they were doing with that decision just because the Mariners in 2019 were totally rebuilding. That's when they made all the trades. They traded Cano, they traded Segura, they, they traded Diaz, they traded everybody, Paxton, Um but they signed Kikuchi to this huge deal, which I was thinking, okay, if you're going to rebuild, you're now bringing in another guy on a big contract. If you're going to put all this investment in him, I'd like to think he was going to be pretty solid. The analytics team with the Mariners has said they still love him. And, and like you just mentioned, Koki, they talked about his improvement last year, at least in terms of FIP, and they feel like yeah. he got a little bit unlucky. But it's hard for me to really believe that he's going to be a number two type of starter in the big leagues. No, especially no, because no. that's not yeah. what I'm asking for. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm because asking for like competent pitcher. Like he has not been, according to like the ERA, 
and the, the, just the perception of him, he has not been a good pitcher yet. You know? No, he hasn't. And, and that seems to happen with so many of these guys that come over from Japan. I mean, aside from you, Darvish, most of these guys, whatever numbers they put up in Japan, it seems to really take a nosedive to some extent. Tanaka was good. Tanaka yeah. Good no, even a guy like Masahiro Tanaka. I mean, he was one of the best pitchers ever in Japan. And I mean, he came the over. And... I mean, the league isn't quite as strong as it is here. Let's no, like... of course not. And, and it's expected that your ERA is going to take some type of a dive when you come over here. Nobody expected Tanaka to put up a 1-5 ERA in, in Major League Baseball. But I think people thought he was going to be a little bit better as a whole than what he did. And Kikuchi, it's the same thing. Like he, he had some good years in Japan, but um, it, it just hasn't translated how I, how people maybe thought to the big league level. So do I think he can be a number four and number five in this rotation with the stuff he has? Yes. But like an walks- average rotation though, like in a good, like a, say if he was on, not the Mets, but like the Mets with these two injuries they have right now. You know, like the Mets rotation with it, like, you know, the, like how it's set up right now when like St- with Stroman is like the number two ish and Carrasco is number three ish and, or, or, uh, you know, I mean, like it would, is he better than Joey Lucchese basically? If, if he cuts down his walks, yes. And I think, you know, 2019, it was an entire year to adjust to the big leagues. And apparently he dealt with some personal stuff in 2019. They said mm-hmm. 2020, obviously being chaotic. So this, this year will be the, the year to really judge it. If he can cut down walks this year, I'll say yes. Interesting. Yeah, that's true. His walk rate is super high. Um, I, I think Kikuchi can be decent this year. I think he can be a number four still in the major leagues. I, I'm not, I'm not totally out on him as some people may be on, at least on the surface. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I mean, if if you're gonna talk about the two guys I really like and I'm and I'm high out on this rotation, you're gonna see a trend here because mm. obviously the Mariners theme and and what they're promoting right now is all their young talent. I'm excited about the two young guys in this rotation. It's it's mm. Sheffield and Dunn, and despite Dunn having a down year last year, I he's come to spring training and just lit everybody's eyes up with really. With, um, yeah, so he came in and, and and he's lost a bunch of weight. He's pumping 96, 97 in spring training. Um, he looks way improved. And then, I mean, Justice Sheffield, per fan graphs, Justice Sheffield was the best rookie starter in the American League last year. Um, I, I honestly think the reason he didn't get any rookie of the year votes or like any second place, third place type votes is I think people might have just forgotten he was a rookie with how many times he came up and went down back to the minors and came back up. He still had his rookie status last year, um, and he was great, especially over his final handful of starts. So, I mean, I can't wait to see what he does in a full year. Yeah, yeah. So Sheffield was excellent last season. Some people started losing some some faith in him, um, just given the the way the stuff was playing at the major league. His stuff was playing at the major league level. Uh, but I mean, last year, three point five ERA, three point one FIP. His strikeout rate wasn't wasn't super high, but he cut down on his walk rate. He barely gave up any home runs, um, uh, but it, that's par- partially because of the park. But still, like, I I think he's pretty good. Yeah, he could. I, I think he's actually pretty. He could actually be a pretty solid starter this year. It'll be interesting to see how well he pitches in an entire season because this will be the first time he'll do that his whole career, right? But um, you can say that about a million other starters this year. That's the case with a lot of other teams. Like the the whole Marlins rotation, for example are just dudes who haven't pitched a full season yet and are about to this year. So he's yeah, an interesting candidate. And then Dunn, like, um, I'm not big on spring training 
stuff like every year we're like oh this guy he's he's figured it out he's lost some weight you know he looks sharp during spring training and then it like doesn't work out half the time um but you know if if he just throws strikes dunn can be pretty solid and at least be a pretty solid major league starter you know his whole thing is walks i i mean i agree with you i i mean Anything you see in spring training, too good or too bad, you have to take with a grain of salt. Is I mean, is Ty France going to hit 500 in the regular season? Um, but it's just the fact with him that, number one, he's still young. He's entering his age 25 season. And, and number two, he I – mean, so he put up a 434 ERA last year. The thing with him is everybody talked about all his spin rates on all his pitches last year were really low. They weren't where people, where, uh, people thought they would be. And he was sitting like 90 to 91 miles an hour. So after watching him last year, I'll admit I lost some faith in him. And, and, and I'm not saying I think he's going to go out there and win the Cy Young. It's just the fact that he's went from 90 to 91 in 2020 to now in spring training a few months later, it's all of a sudden back to where it used to be at 96 miles an hour. That's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. That's, that seems more tangible to me. The velocity is mm -hmm. a pretty tangible thing. So I, I, I like that. I like that point you made. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm just excited to see what he can do in a full year this year. I mean, you said it best, Koki. He's got to cut down walks. He's got to throw strikes. But if he can do that, I've got some high hopes for him. Yeah, his walk rate is insane. Um, and then their last two guys, I don't know if they're even their last two guys, but it's James Paxton and Chris Flexen. Uh, Paxton, I like bringing Paxton on the flyer. Bring him back home um, where, they, where he's had his best success in his career. There's a chance that he just really he's just really good again this year, and he's like a number two starter for them. I I wouldn't bet on it, but I wouldn't be stunned just given his talent. I mean, last year was ended up just being a lost season for him. Just never really quite worked out with the Yankees. He could never stay healthy. He has never been able to stay healthy, and that's probably the number one reason why I wouldn't trust him at all this year. But again, they have six stars in their in this rotation according to Fangraphs. So if they go with the six man rotation, then even if Paxton lo loses a month, like they still have other arms, you know, like. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a great flyer to take on the guy. Uh, if, if you get 20 starts out of him, I think you'll take that right to the bank, especially with the injury history he's had over his career. Yeah. Um, he looked great. This Today was his first actual in-game spring training outing. He's been throwing in sim games most of the spring. But, yeah, he was he was sitting 96 today, too. And, and you know from the left side, when he's throwing strikes, he's up there for his dominant as – top handful of lefties in the game when he's healthy and when he's got his best stuff. So if he can come back and again, just give him 20 good starts and he's a good number two or three guy in this rotation. I think that's a big boost. Uh, I have a Jared. I'm going to ask you like the ultimate Jared DePoto question at the end of this. Um, I can't, I can't wait. Can I? Um, yeah. And, and then, so before we move on from the rotation and then you were talking about one more guy. The six man. Yeah. The six man rotation with the, which the Mariners are going to run out this year. I, I think Flexen, so he was brought in on a two-year deal. I never really loved this from the start. I mean, if you look at his big league numbers before he went to the KBO, like mm. it's, it's tough to look at. Let me just put it that way. What, is, what his big league numbers were before he headed to Korea. Now, people seem to think he figured something out in Korea, hence why they gave him yeah. this deal. But he, hasn't, he has not looked good so far in spring training. And to be totally transparent, I think what's going to end up happening with him is he's basically just going to be a placeholder until Logan Gilbert comes up because Logan Gilbert's due yeah. up pretty early in the year. That's so. a good, that's a good point. Like the Logan Gilbert thing is definitely um, hanging over this rotation right now. And I mean, the, the young arms that they have right now, 
in this minor league system. Um, I think now is probably a good time to at least mention a couple of them. It's him. It's, it's George Kirby. It's Emerson Hancock. Like they have, the Mariners have some very talented young arms coming up in the minor league system over the next few years. It is impressive. Yeah, they do. And, and they're kind of going to come in waves. Logan Gilbert's going to be yeah. the first one. And then Kirby and Hancock are probably at least a year or so away, if not more. Um, just because uh, yeah Hancock's like two years away he's a college arm at least right uh, oh and uh, yeah and, and he was a guy that had a chance to be the number one pick heading into 2020 but then he had a couple off starts and the season ended um and and people got a little bit worried about him so he dropped a few spots and, and the Mariners picked him right up hmm. but he, yeah I mean this is a guy with four dominant pitches uh, I mean he was phenomenal in the best college conference in the country um in the SEC but yeah, the thing with Hancock is he's never thrown an inning of minor league baseball. And Kirby has only thrown about 20 and it was in short season A. So yeah, that's, those that's guys, with, that's with all these guys though. I mean, you just have to take, you just have to take the, uh, for now we're just taking the profile and seeing what happens after this season, you know? No, so. you're right. And you're absolutely right. So, I mean, I'll be pretty excited to see what they do in the minors this year. But Gilbert's definitely going to be the first guy up. I mean, he's he's inches away. Uh, he probably won't crack the rotation out of the spring, but I would guess he'll be up about a month, six weeks in. I don't know. I, I think with these KBO guys, it's always it, it's always interesting to sort of roll the dice on them because sometimes they do come back and they're just better. You know, all of a sudden, it's it, like Josh Lindblom is a good example of this. Like when Josh Lindblom came back from the KBO, it was like, what are the Brewers doing bringing this guy in? And then all of a sudden he actually pitched pretty well. And, 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 um, and I don't know. And I don't think it's a mistake that they gave him a two year that these teams are giving him, are giving these KBO guys, these like surprisingly large contracts because, you know, there's competition for these guys and they sort of see something with some of these, um, guys who come back from overseas like matt moore got a lot more money than people thought he got a major league deal that's matt moore he hasn't been good since 2015 <laughs> you know and maybe even longer like 2014 but you know he comes back from overseas and and now all of a sudden he has a bit of a market for him um and a major league contract so i, I, I don't know I, I i would be a little more optimistic about flexing but if he stinks i wouldn't be surprised either you know so we'll see yeah i mean i'll, I'll try to keep my mindset of as positive as positive as I can, and, and I hope I'm wrong about him. But again, despite being in small sample size, like when your big league ERA for your career it starts with eight, it, it's hard to be that excited. No, he's never done anything in the majors, which is interesting. Now, like, oh wait, Chris Flexen's in the starting rotation. Oh wait, he came from the, he was in uh, Korea last year. Oh wow, interesting. So that was yeah. me during the uh, that was my reaction during the research. So. Uh, yeah. It, so it, we'll, we'll see. We'll see yeah. if I'm wrong about him or not. My guess is he lasts about a month and then probably gets <laughs> yanked, but, but but we'll see. We'll see. I wouldn't be stunned. I, again, I wouldn't be stunned. I, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have much of an argument here. Um, next up is their lineup, which is the most is which is easily the funnest part about this team. This lineup is a blast and it is one of the more under, it might be one of the more underrated lineups in major league baseball. In my, my opinion, at least um, leading off, you got JP Crawford, who is just, a very fun player to watch. Not the greatest hitter ever, but he's got speed. He plays excellent defense. He's a, he's somewhat of a valuable player, even if he isn't the top-notch prospect that he used to be. Mitch Hanniger's back, which is really fun and interesting, right? I mean, this is a guy who was – I mean, looked at at one point he was going to be one of the stronger, more underrated hitters in baseball, and then he had that injury. And 
it was out for the whole season. Um, and then Kyle Lewis in the middle of the order. I mean, he was so exciting last season. Um, Kyle Seeger, who's probably been, who's now probably been one of the more underrated hitters in the game. Uh, Ty France, who was really good for the Padres last year before they traded him away. Dylan Moore had a solid season last year. Uh, Taylor Trammell at least has some talent. Um, I like their lineup a lot. Um, you, it, this is your team, so please go into more detail with these guys. Let me ask you a question. Ooh. It's just a trivia question, and I'm not expecting you to get it right because if I wasn't a Mariners fan, there's no way I would. Okay. Uh, do you know who led this team in war last year, in offensive war? Ooh. Like, or I should say war, war, war among the offensive players. Seager? I guess it's Seager. Dylan Moore. Wow. In, in 38 games – Dylan Moore played 38 games and he had the highest war on the team higher than Kyle Lewis. Oh, I know that's great. He was, he, he, I mean, this guy came out of nowhere. Like the story with him, they they picked him up from the white Sox when, when he was let go, he came over in 2019. He didn't do much. In fact, in his first game in the field, he made three errors in an inning. And then last year he comes back. In fact, he started on the COVID list. He comes back. He didn't have much time in summer camp. And all of a sudden he, I mean, he was, one of the best hitters in the whole lineup. So that was a shot in the arm that I and, and most Mariners fans probably weren't expecting this team to get, but they got it. And then, yeah, like you, you hit on some of these guys, Mitch Hanniger, people forget this was one of the best players in the American league in 2018. I mean, finished 11th in MVP voting. He was a six win player. He was an all-star. He was great, but he's missed basically the last two years. So it, it's kind of going to be interesting to see what he brings to the table when he's back out there in spring. He's looked great. Um, Kyle Lewis, how much can you say about him? Reigning AL Rookie of the Year, unanimous Rookie of the Year. Mm. Um, he was so exciting, obviously. Uh, the catches, the home runs, and such a cool story, too, for a guy that was drafted high. He gets injured. He tore his ACL you know, a month into his minor league career, mm. and a couple of years later, he, he's the unanimous Rookie of the Year. So now he seems like the guy that has a chance to be one of the faces of the team. So I can't wait to see what he finally does in a full season because – in a short stint of 2019 and in a 60-game 2020, he really lit the world on fire. So I'm excited. And then the last guy I'll hit on is, is Ty France because, like you said, great with the Padres, offensive first guy. There hasn't been a better hitter in spring training. Like, this guy's hitting over 400. He's, he's seriously been insane. I mean, he's hitting home runs. He's got 14 or something hits. Like, he just doesn't get out. So, again, do I expect this guy to – hit 400 over the season? No. I mean, that's, of course not. But he seems like he's going to be a pretty important piece to this lineup. So, yeah, like you talked about, I mean, it seems to be a forgotten piece of this team, and, and people are kind of writing it off. But this lineup has a chance to be pretty exciting. Mm. Ty France last year, uh, 305, 368, 468 splits, 132 way runs created plus. Granted, it was only 43 games, but that's really interesting um, because – Coming up in, in the first year he was at San Diego, it was like, who is this guy and why is he playing so much? Mm-hmm. And because he had that 83 way to run to create plus, it just wasn't very good for that uh, Padres team that couldn't hit at all in 2019. And in 2020, start hitting the ball, playing really well. They get, didn't get then get sent to Seattle for Austin in the Austin Nola trade. And uh, he just continued to hit it to the point where he was an excellent hitter last season. Is he like a 130 way to run to create plus kind of hitter? No. No. no, no. But is he a one? Can he be a one ten guy? Maybe and play a couple of different positions. Yeah, that's a really valuable player. So yeah. I, I like him. I, I think Kyle Seager is just the same solid, above average hitting third baseman every season. 
Um, I mean, like you said with Mitch Hanniger, JP Crawford's fun at least. Uh, Trammell, is he gonna? Is Trammell gonna be the starting left fielder this uh, season? He, he's been going off in spring training too, just like France. Mm. So all of a sudden, it looks like he's probably gonna be the starting left fielder, which um, which I'm excited about. Again, this is another really really exciting guy. So um, I'm excited to see Taylor Trammell most likely make his major league debut. Mm. Trammell has had a very strange minor league career. This guy used to was like a top 15 ish prospect at one point, And then started struggling a little bit, had some mechanical issues the last couple of seasons. And now he's in the major leagues. And it's just a matter of, has he actually figured it out, fully figured it out yet? And it's tough to say if he has or not, if he has or has not because of you know, the lack of minor league games over the last two years, you know? So yeah. uh, it's absolutely. So here he is in the major leagues and uh, let's see how you do buddy, you know? kind of throw you into the fire and see what happens uh then the bottom half of the lineup i mean tom murphy evan white do you have any any hope for evan white this year he's only oh 24. yeah no a hundred a hundred percent i do and look Ooh, it, okay. outside of outside of, i mean i can understand why a general perspective was i mean yeah this guy plays great defense but he doesn't seem to have much of a bat at all from just looking at how he did in his rookie year how i look at evan white is this guy was one of the safest minor league prospects you could find. Like you look at his minor league numbers across every level of play, high A, double A, you name it. And he hit and he hit really well. That's very true. They, they asked him to make a jump from double A to the big leagues in a year where everything was shut down and then mm. picked back up and kind I of, like a this. you know, kind of an unusual year. And then, you know, I will say about Evan White, this guy hit the ball harder than anybody on the team. Like his exit velocities off of I mean not just his home runs but just his ball squared up in general like his contact rate or his barrel uh what do you call it uh yeah hard contact yeah. rate yeah and it was it was off the charts like this guy hits balls harder than anybody on the team so that's a reason for optimism am I gonna sit here and say that he's gonna you know hit 300 next year no but I, I think Evan White especially for 2021 if you're gonna talk about gradual progression with this guy Cause that's where I'm at is, is you got to see some gradual progression is if he hits 240, he can probably hit 20 home runs and his OPS can probably get up around 780 close to 800. You combine that with the defense he plays all of a sudden, Evan white puts that kind of season together in 2021. I think people feel a little bit differently about him. Now, if he struggles like he did it again, it's going to be hard to, you know, people are going to lose some faith, but if he makes some progression off of what he did last year, I think people will come around to him. All right. Last two Mariners questions before we move on. We spent a lot of time on the Mariners, but that's yeah, yeah. because that's kind of why you're on this podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, Shed Long, uh, what are your thoughts on him? Because right now he's hurt, but I believe, I mean, my guess is he does come back this season, right? I'm not 100% sure how long this shin injury, this shin surgery is going to last, but he had a really disappointing year last year. Um, so I'm kind of interested in kind of your thoughts on what his status is as a major leaguer. I mean, I think he'll be a bench piece basically. And, and obviously when he's healthy, he's probably a bat first guy, but again, for how well Dylan Moore played last year as a utility guy, they're trying to make him the everyday second baseman at this point. And if he runs with this job and continues to hit the way he did last year, I think it's going to be hard for shed long to crack that Ooh. starting lineup every day. Wow. Oh, shed long is wow, no more. It's shed long. Wow. We're giving, we're maybe not totally that, giving that's up just, on him already, but that's like, just me. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. I thought he had, he might have had a little more optimism for him. Interesting. 
Uh, and then their bench is not great right now. It's Sam Haggerty, Braden Bishop. Um, shouts to the Bishops. Lovely family. Uh, I know I know Hunter a little bit personally. Great guy. Um, but uh, as, as a major league player, just not a lot of ceiling with Braden Bishop. Just kind of know what he's a, he's a fifth outfielder, basically. So. And, yeah, I mean, he's a great defender. But the mm. bat is is just probably never going to play not there. at the big yeah. league level. I mean, yeah. And then Luis I talk about, oh, so and what Luis was your, is the backup. Okay. Yeah. What was your last question for me? You said you had a Jerry Depoto question for me. Is Jerry Depoto good now? I think he is. I, I think Ooh. the way, like, okay. I think, so his contract's up after this year. And I would expect Ooh. it's going to get renewed because, so he was basically brought in in 2016 and he was told, get this team to the playoffs. He tried for a couple of years. He tried to make it work. And he told the, you know, he told upper management, we do not have the resources to really compete at the top of the American league with this current team. And to be honest, like you look at what the Mariners rebuilds or you look at the Mariners rebuild over the last couple of years, not only has it gone about as well as you could expect, but it's been pretty fast too. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, you look at some of these prospects, they've, they've panned out with Crawford, with Kyle Lewis, with Logan Gilbert on the, on the cusp with justice Sheffield and, you know, these guys have really turned around at a pretty quick pace. Mm-hmm. And the best part is the best players are not even here yet. Like yeah. the best players are guys we haven't even talked about tonight. So, yeah. and they're, and they're on their way. Like Jared Kelnick, just like Logan Gilbert is, is, is so close to his major league debut. And, you know, people are expecting him and to be the face Trammell. of the franchise. Yeah. And they have Tramel and they have like, it's, they've taken a lot of risks on dudes who, on younger dudes who people kind of, I don't say gave up on, but have some questions about. And these former like top, top prospects who a lot of guys, when they made these trades, it's like, okay, should you really be having the centerpiece of your trade be JP Crawford? You know, when JP, when a lot of people kind of gave up on JP Crawford being a really good major league player, that's just one example of a, I mean, there's a few of these examples, justice Jeff Fields, another one. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people thought he was a little overrated um, when they traded for him. And I don't, I don't know if it's all worked out, but I mean, Justin Dunn is another one. Um, uh, I don't know if all these, like every single one of these guys that they've rolled the dice on have worked out, but at the same time, a lot of them have, and here they are with, you know, Kyle Lewis, JP Crawford, Dylan Moore, Taylor Trammell and more. And and that's just their lineup with Justin Sheffield and Justin Dunn in the rotation, Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn in the rotation. Like, and and then exciting. You know? And then, t- and then two top five prospects on their way. Yeah. Kalenic, so. Julio Rodriguez, Taylor, Logan Gilbert, Logan Gilbert. I mean, Emerson Hancock. I like George Kirby quite a bit. Uh, even Noel V. Marte is like a, like a, like a very, oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a borderline top 100 guy. Um, and he's, he's incredibly young. Like, like I'm not going to put any comps on him yet, but I've just heard yeah. some people say they think the sky's the limit with that kid. Mm. But yeah, with, with JP Cropper, just quickly before we move on, like basically my two cents on him is he'll probably be a number nine for the most part of his Mariner career. I would guess that's where he'll hit for the better part of this year. But if he's like an Elvis Andrews, the guy who hits 240, 250 and plays good defense, you know, that's a valuable guy to have on a team because he racks up his war by playing good defense. He was a gold glover last year. So I think that's the type of player he'll be. And if that's the type of player he is, I, I think people will be happy with that. 
I mean, out of all the trades that they made when they dealt all those veterans, the Segura for uh, Crawford trade ended up being the dullest one, probably for both sides. Uh, Crawford's just sort of been, has had some moments at the plate, but like, again, like his talent will never fully be realized unless he hits and he just hasn't hit as a major leaguer. Um, it's yeah. like, like you said, like he's more of a number nine guy right now. He's the leadoff guy for this team. According to the fan graphs, like he actually does he relatively good on base. I mean, 21, 2021 projections right now have him at a 330 OBP with a two forty compared to a 243 batting average. That's actually pretty good. Um, but I mean, you got to be able to hit in yeah. order to be the order of fill that full potential. But you know yeah. what? But again, if he's like Elvis Andrews, I think that's okay. Mm. That's an interesting comp. Andrews has a little more pop, but like that, that a little, yeah, he does. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's move on. Uh, next up with the angels. Uh, I have them in third. I don't like this team either. Like, like you said, but I think they're a little more, just a little more well-rounded in terms of that, the whole bullpen piece that I, I just can't ignore with the, with the Mariners. I don't like their bullpen at all. Even though That's you fair. make a good point with the Mariners that there's a lot of dudes you've never heard of, but there's a lot of dudes to throw hard, you know, and at mm-hmm. least have some talent which I guess is a good sign, but there's more proven pieces on the Angels bullpen, which is why I went with them a bit at the end of the day. But um, either way, I'm more excited about the Mariners moving forward. Let's just say that. Uh, the Angels, last season, they went 26-34. They had a team way run created plus at that finish in 10th, team FIP that finished in 17th, and a team defensive war that finished in 27th. They lost Hansel Robles, Hobie Milner, Justin Anderson, Keenan Milton, Matt Andres, Jose Bresenio, Ryan Healy, Cam Bedrosian, Julio Tehran, Andrelton Simmons, Jemai Jones, Noe Ramirez, Jacob Barnes. They added Jose Quintana, Kurt Suzuki, Junior Guerra, Juan Lagares, John Jay, Jesse Chavez, Phil Gosselin, Juan Gratterall, Alex Claudio, Jake Friesch, Scott Shebler, Thomas Pannone, Dexter Fowler, Jose Iglesias, Rizzo Iglesias, which was their best move of the offseason by far, uh, Alex Cobb, Dexter Fowler, and Aaron Sluggers. Um, they have a weird team. I don't know if it's a weird team, but they have a team. <laughs> you know, I'm not me, very excited about this team, despite the fact me, that they have the best player in baseball. So let me ask you this. What do you project their win total to be? You have them in third. What do you think their total is? I think they're about as good as the Red Sox. I have them around 81 wins. Okay. That that seems about right. Yeah, there, there's people, you know, in, in a bunch of these, you know, preseason projections that I see and, 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 you know, all these polls that get put out and these articles that get put out where people are projecting what each team's going to look like and their win totals. I've seen the angels off the charts. I've seen some people with the angels winning the division and that mm, seems no, crazy. No, that seems crazy. crazy to me. <laughs> like this, they, they were way under 500 last year and they just have not solved their starting pitching issues again. So Mm. I like their rotation a little bit more, more, a little bit more than you, but at the okay. same time, you're probably right. Um, their rotation isn't very good. Uh, let, I, I, you know what? Just, let's just start with the rotation then. Um, Dylan Bundy was amazing last season, which was very strange. Um, the fifth, the, the, I mean, the, the peripherals, uh, his actual, his, his flat out ERA, like it was all really good last season. That was really strange. Um, didn't really see that coming. Will he be that good again this year in a full season? Doubtful, but you know, he did show something last year. Maybe he found something. Maybe he's actually can be a decent starter for them this, this next season. Uh, next is Andrew Heaney. Solid number four guy. Like that's pretty much all he is. He's staying healthy now, which I think is a good sign for his career. Um, 
I mean, people thought he could be like a number two starter at one point, but it's just, he's never really turned into that sort of guy. He is what he is this when he's going to turn 30 this year. Um, Alex Cobb is the next guy in their rotation. I don't like the Alex Cobb move at all. The more I've thought about it, I, I kind of thought it was interesting at first. And now I'm like, uh, the peripherals aren't quite what you wait. Once you squint at the peripherals hard enough, it's not impressed. It's not very good. Despite the fact that I do think he kind of found something with a splitter last season from someone who watched him a decent bit from him being in the AL East, but um, he's better than the guy in 2019, but he's, I, I don't think he's any good. Uh, I mean, walk three guys per nine, only six strikeouts per nine. That's not very good. Uh, 4.8 FIP. And that's a shortened season. I, I, don't, I don't totally buy in the Alex Copton. They gave up too much to get him too. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just thought there was so many other options they could have gone after on the starting pitching market. They were, they were in the mix for Trevor Bauer there for a little bit. That probably wasn't really going to happen, but there were still so many other plan B's. Again, the guy I keep circling back to who was on the market forever. Jake Odorizzi, he signed a two-year deal. It was fairly cheap. That seems like a much more stable to bring guy to bring in as opposed to Alex Cobb. Not just but, getting Alex Cobb, but trading for Alex Cobb. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or bringing in Jose Quintana. Like Jose Quintana, once upon a time, was a really, really dependable to number two, number three starter. He made one all-star game back in 2016. Yeah. But his trend has continued to progress down or regress downwards as opposed to progress. So I just don't see in his age 32 season him all of a sudden returning to his old form. No. So like again i don't guess what they're even asking him to do i think they're asking him to like eat innings and last year he didn't eat innings he got hurt and barely pitched last season but like the year before like with the cubs for his whole career like they traded way too way 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 too much to get him but he was like a low four era guy who basically ate innings that's all he was right but so that that brings me back to my issue with basically the whole angels rotation is outside of bundy and potentially otani if he's healthy how many of these guys can you just say, yeah, well, he's there to eat innings? Because it feels like that's what they're kind of doing with um, a lot of these arms. I like Canning. I think he's good. I think he's like – he can be a number two and is, our, is probably a number three right now. Just from watching him, just from his – just just from – I mean, he's gotten a little bit unlucky. Um, I, I think Canning's legitimately really good. And he's only 20 – he'll be 25 at during the season. Like, he's very young. Uh, I'm a fan of Canning. I like his curveball a lot. Uh, I mean, Cobb, and he, Cobb might be just worse than an innings eater. There's a good chance he's just worse than that. He needs a, like a number four. Quintana's like a four at best at this point, like being the low four ERA guy he was with the Cubs. Then Bundy, like Bundy best case scenario is somewhere near the guy he was last year. But I, again, that's kind of doubtful too. So, but at least there's like depth here, you know, and then, and, and, but like, again, like if Otani's good, if Otani's really good, then all of a sudden this rotation's actually decent right because you yeah. have an ace all of a sudden right to go along mm-hmm. with canning who's like a who you can make make out as like a quasi two if he plays if he pitches really well this is a get this is kind of best case scenario but like there's a there's a there's a universe where they have a good one a good two and then a whole bunch of fours you know does canning have the stuff in your mind to be a true number two to me he always felt like more of a finesse three, four type of pitcher. Mm. I think he can be a high three at least. Um, I think best case scenario, he's a two, 
like that, like that, that's when we're hitting on all cell. I'm not going to bet on him being number two, but I think that's a ceiling, I guess. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. The Angels so it's fans just, like it's, him a lot. The Angels fans love him. And the Angels fans hate all their pitchers. So that's always, that's well, always saying something. They, they probably like Griffin Canning because he's basically the only young pitcher they have outside yeah. of Reed, De- outside of Reed Detmers, who they just drafted. Mm. Yeah. And, and he's going to come up pretty soon. Reed Detmers is coming like maybe next year. Like, like I know he just got drafted, but he's such a low ceiling, high floor prospect that he's going to be coming up the ma- through the major leagues very quickly. Um, so that'll be maybe Quintana is sort of like the bridge to Reed Detmers, you know, similar pitchers too. Uh, lefties De- over the top lefties, you know. Um, I mean, I I don't like the I don't like this rotation very much, but. And I, but and I think my main problem with this team in general is the Otani factor, right? Because so much of this team's success relies on him. If he's healthy and playing well on both sides of the baseball, then all of a sudden this team is a playoff contender, right? Because they have a superstar who they have an ace and like in a top five hitter in a lineup all of a, on their team. And that's like kind of transformation in their lineup, especially if some of their, especially if they get some luck in the health department and Joe Adele comes up, right? And now you have like six good hitters, an ace, and a decent bullpen. And now you're a playoff contender if a couple other teams, if a couple other things fall the right way. But I mean, a lot has to happen for that to happen, though. That's the problem, you know. And Otani's never been been able to stay healthy his whole major league career. So why should I believe in it? Do you think Joe Madden is managing him the right way? And I ask in a sense of. What no. Otani's done in his okay, because what Otani's done in his first couple of years is okay, he's gonna pitch once a week, he's gonna DH three times a week, and he's gonna have some rest days. Joe Madden seems to have this idea. It's like, oh yeah, he doesn't need to pitch once a week, he can just go every five days, he can hit whenever. Like for a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy, like that seems like a bit of an aggressive approach. It's it's Joe Madden. We shouldn't trust him to do anything at this point. Like he's been a bad manager for like four years and no one talks about this really ever. Um, the media loves him. So no one will talk about how bad of a manager Joe Madden has been for years now. Um, but uh, I mean, they'd almost be better off with Mike Sosha at this point. I mean, and, and, and honestly, uh, Mike Sosha was awful at the end, but he was very good in the beginning. I'll give him that at least he was good at a, a point. Um, and I think Brad Osmus was a pretty good manager for them. And then he just, and then they just got rid of him. Like, I don't understand the angels at all. And I don't really trust the team at all. I, if it, to me, if it weren't for the Mariners youth and their lack of bullpen pitching, I would definitely pick them ahead of this team. But I, I mean, I, 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 I just have trouble. I think there's enough of a ceiling here that I'm still picking the angels. And it, it kind of pains me to do that because this is a much more boring team in general. Um, but I think we've kind of exhausted their rotation talk. Uh, do you want to get into their bullpen a little bit here? Sure. Let's let's breathe through the bullpen and then get to the fun part of their team. Yeah, which is yeah. The lineup. Uh, Rizal Iglesias was the big move they made at closer. I love that move for them. I think he was awesome. This was the best move of the offseason. One of my like five to ten favorite moves in baseball this year. I think he's a really good closer, and he's going to be kind of the ninth inning guy or the late inning guy that they've needed for years. Honestly. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, they've lacked a guy at the back end of that rotation for what feels like forever. It's funny to me as a as somebody that watches the Angels all the time and has watched them consistently throughout my lifetime. Yeah, it always felt like to me that the Angels 
had the exact same bullpen every single year for like seven straight years. Now it finally feels like it's different, but it felt like to me every single year, it's like, oh, here's, you know, Ty Buttry and here's Middleton and and here's, uh, you know, it felt like it was, or, oh, Bedrosian, JC Ramirez. Like it was the same guys every single year. And I was like, don't they ever like want to bring anybody in? They now changed. it feels like you go ahead. They changed a lot of guys this year. They only have three returning guys in their bullpen um, from last season, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. And that doesn't include Luke Bard and Felix Pena, who are both hurt at the moment. Um, I kind of like Felix Pena. I think he's actually pretty solid uh, as a long guy, at least. Um, but it looks like, I mean, Mike, Mike Mayers was amazing for them last season, which was very strange after a tough start for him. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to repeat that again, but he was, again, one of the best relievers in the game last year, and I don't know how that happened, but it did. Um, former, Formerly of the St. Louis Cardinals. Ty Buttry was awful last season. He's been bad for two years now. Is he just not good? You know, it had the magic kind of run out with, for Ty Buttry because the Angels fans were very excited about him when they first got him. And Yeah, it, it kind of feels like it has. Like, maybe he bounces back. Again, relievers can be so up and down. That's but- true. I haven't, I, I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot. He has good stuff. Like he does in the weird Ian. I mean, the, I mean, Dombrowski sent shipped him away in the weird Ian Kinsler trade. Um, and Ian Kinsler didn't really work out for the Red Sox at all. So that might end up being just a lose, lose trade, you know, yeah. one of but, those. Yeah. But I think the key with this bullpen, like you briefly touched on is Iglesias. I mean, they got a legitimate back end of the rotation guy who can slam the door in the ninth. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the key for them. They need a consistent closer to at least have a chance to make their bullpen serviceable. And, and Iglesias is certainly that. I like Sluggers. He was really good for the Rays last year and just a Rays guy. And I feel like we should just trust Rays guys in general. Um, even even though it's a little worrying that they got rid of him, <laughs> that means maybe something's going on there with him. But at the same time, I, I, I like Sluggers. I thought he was pretty good with the Rays. Chavez hasn't been good for a couple seasons, but I mean, I feel like his career has been up and down a lot in general and it kind of goes where i mean his career kind of goes where the slider goes with him so it'll be kind of fun to see him on the angels and then it's claudio and junior garrett's the rest of the bullpen and uh those are two veterans who i think one of them will work out i don't know which you know claudio i mean is claudio even hitting 80 miles an hour at this point like his whole thing throughout his career is his fastball was 82 not that that's a bad thing because he he has had good years yeah. But I always just found that so astounding that he could throw so slow and get guys out. But but he, he does it. Uh, Claudio was okay last year. He had like a low, he had like a 401 ERA or something like that. He was mediocre. And he just has I mean, to be and- kind of mediocre for them. Like their bullpen guys, no, there's no one exciting after Iglesias. It's a bunch of dudes who half of them will probably hit and half of them will be terrible. You know, it's some a lot of veterans. Um and I don't hate their bullpen as much as some other people might actually end up hating this bullpen. I mean, I mean, Guerra, at least to my memory, has had was had, was has been decent recently, right? Um, let me let me double. I'm just gonna like triple check this. Yeah, last year it had three ERA with the with the with the with the D backs, and I know it was only 23, 23 two thirds innings, but Guerra's been a very good reliever since he's transitioned to the bullpen um, in 2019. So. Yeah, he's old at 36 years old, but the whole bullpen is kind of marred with guys like that. I mean, Jesse Chavez is 37. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of what they got going on in that bullpen. And, and say Felix Pena gets healthy and they get him in there, and I don't hate Jaime Berea, 
Um, yeah, like I, I it's uh, it, they they got an interesting little bullpen here. Next up is their lineup. Their lineup, the, the Angels lineup is fascinating to me at least. Um, it's fascinating to me too because I think they've got four great hitters, and that includes Otani if he's healthy. They've got two kind of washed up hitters with Upton and Pujols. Yeah, and 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 then they've got a couple of holes to fill at the bottom of that lineup. Yeah, Iglesias isn't going to hit 373 again. That's just not going to happen. No. no. Okay? That was luck, and uh, that luck is going to come crashing down to earth this season. But, again, he's one of the best defensive shortstops in the league. So it'll be kind of fun to watch him uh, patrol shortstop for the Angels this season. And they got Stassi. I like Stassi. I think he's a really good hitter. That's the one guy who I look at at the bottom of this order after Rendon hitting fourth, and I'm like, oh, they got something there. Um, Stassi was excellent at the plate for them a year ago. Uh, let, me, let me look up the, the numbers specifically just to add some context uh, for the listener. Last season, seven homers, 137 weighted runs created plus, 352 on base percentage, walked at a 10% clip. Like he was excellent last year. And I know it was only in 31 games, but he has shown some hitting ability in the past, right? I mean, he was a borderline all star once with the, with the Houston Astros. So, I like Stassi. I think he's actually a pretty solid player. But again, the rest of, like you said, though, the bottom of the order, like Upton Pools, I'm out on both those guys. They're both washed up. I mean, there's a, like a like a small, uh, like there's like a centimeter's worth of upside with Upton. Like there might be something there, right? But I don't believe in it at all. He looked, he, he physically, he looks, does not look like the same player he used to be. Um, and it's kind of sad, especially with the, I mean, the Pools thing is really sad. And uh, Dexter Fowler is a some is a slightly below average hitter who gives them some defense in the outfield, basically. Yeah, exactly. And he's probably gonna. Uh, so is he projected to start over Adele to begin the year? Um, then? Right now, they don't have Adele on the major league team to start the season. That that is an interesting guy to talk about because I, I mean we touched on Evan White and his struggles. Joe Adele, I mean, for a guy that was a top five prospect entering last year, that was difficult to watch and obviously as a, Mar- as, a, as a Mariner fan like you know did I hate it no because you want to see your own team do well but you just but you feel bad for him because because I'm like I'm very very indulged on prospects like I enjoy following prospects and yeah. watching them through the minors and and following the top 100s and seeing you know and then following their major league careers like just for the sake of Joe Adele as a prospect like I felt I felt bad for him last year. Like it was tough to see what he went through. Like negative 1.4 war in what was it? I mean, 38 games played. Mm. Now he's obviously going to get better, but how much better is the question? Because I mean, you know, he clearly had some adjustments to make, right? He struck out what 40% of the time in every single hit, every time he hit the ball, it was a ground ball from my memory. That, that was his major league experience. It was yeah. Like- it felt like it, and yeah, and, and and to to be fair to him, he's only entering his age twenty two season. Like you know, the world is still this guy's oyster, and he's still got all the tools in the world. But for his sake, I I hope he used twenty twenty as a chance to adjust to some big league pitching. Yeah, I think he uses twenty twenty one to really find himself and and start to produce because you know I'm sure he didn't exactly give fans a a jolt of hope to say in twenty twenty. This- this whole team relies on Joe Adele and Shohei Otani. That's what it boils down to because it's like, mm-hmm. a, like this top tier, amazing talent with Rendon and Trout and even a really solid player and Fletcher. Right. 
and they have some solid arms that you rely on, like Rizo Iglesias or Griffin Canning even. And then, and you know, some of the veterans, even though a lot of them are bad, some of them will actually hit and play pretty well. And so somewhere in, they're probably somewhere in between, but like the fate of this team rely goes, it really comes down to two players. It's Joe Adele and Shoei Otani. If they're both bad, this team's going to win 70 games. If they're both good, this team can win 95 games. It's not impossible. You know, it's, it's a weird team and that they rely on two players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think you're hundred percent right. And it's, it's how does Otani stay healthy and, and does Adele make some adjustments, but yeah, I'm just trying to look at the rest of this team and whether the lineup stands like, obviously, like how much can we say about guys like Trout and Rendon? I mean, they're yeah. two of the top, they're two of the top 10 players in baseball. And then Fletcher is a model of consistency, but like, okay, you mentioned Iglesias for a second, right? Is that yeah. an upgrade over Andrelton Simmons, to That's me, a, it kind of looks like it's it's the same, it's same, the same, same thing. thing. It's the same thing. Uh-huh. I, I think the Angels fans uh, overrated Andrelton Simmons for years, um, saying that he was as good as say like a Xander. He was in the same class as Xander Bogarts and stuff like that. Like that that garbage. Um, that's a garbage take. Like he was never that good of a hitter. Um, he had that one pretty solid hitting season, but he's just never able to quite figure it out at the plate. Not enough power with him, to be totally honest with you. Not enough consistent power, at least, because he's shown it in flashes at times, right? But just – and he can't stay healthy. That's the, that's the other thing. I love that move for the Twins, bringing him in, though, as, like, not even an everyday player. Like, that's kind of incredible that they have him now on that team that, that was already arguably the best defensive team in the league. Um, but that's for the AL Central podcast. Um, but – yeah, it's pretty much a net zero bringing in Iglesias because he's such a good defender and he does stay healthier than Simmons, which is a good thing, even though they probably do lose a little bit of offense, at least offensive upside when they bring in Iglesias. So uh, it's an interesting move. Yeah. I mean, you're just painting the picture more and more as to why Adele and Otani need to be so good for this team. Because again, I mean, if Dexter Fowler plays the entire year in the outfield, his war will what maximum be one one and a half and that might even be generous yeah yeah but but if joe and maybe there's a chance they bring up brandon marsh this year yeah yeah you're right chance they bring up him later in the year so that Mm -hmm. would that's an also another interesting wrinkle to this team Um, yeah but but yeah that's enough of a that that's not enough of a strong uh uh in Bree detmers too at the very end of the year there's a small chance that they bring him up too because he's that polished already so I mean, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Shohei Otani and Joe Adele can swing this team season by 10 or 15 wins one way or another. Like yeah. it's hundred percent the case. Yeah. These Otani plays two positions and, yeah. and, and Adele was a former top five prospect. So mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty much the angels for you. Um, I have them in third place. They can finish in last place and they can also finish in first place, but that's the angels for you. So I kind of put them smack dab in the middle of third. So we'll see about them. Uh, next up is the Houston Astros. We still got two more teams to go, but you know what? We go long on these podcasts. So, uh, if you think this is, this is an exception, uh, Lyle, this isn't, we've been going very long on these podcasts. The NL East podcast was over two hours long, uh, okay. for example. So, uh, how long have we been going? We're at like an hour 20 or so, something like that. We're, we're not, we're probably going to finish around two. Uh, I don't know how long we're going to go with the Astros in the, in the A's because it's actually pretty close between these two teams. Yeah. Um, who do you have? In I think first, our, who do you have in second? I'm kind of curious right now. Uh, I think we're the same. I have the A's in first and the Astros in second. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah. So our I, rankings are I the agree. same. 
our rankings are the same with the exception of the angels and mariners being flipped yeah yeah which i i don't i don't begrudge you at all for that i think it's really really close between those two teams i also think it's really really close between the astros and the a's to be honest i agree Um, i agree because i i think the a's got a little bit worse but i don't think houston is the juggernaut they once were either no not even close um no I despite like, despite despite yeah. being one game from the World Series last year, like this team did finish under 500. Yeah, exactly. I think they're closer to the team that finished under 500 than the team that made the almost made the World Series. And mm-hmm. I mean that a lot of has to do with the fact that they were just a, a a polished team in terms of knowing how to play in these playoff games, while their opponents weren't as much. So, you know, yeah. and that, and that's kind of what happened, and that's how they got all, all the way to Game Seven of the ALCS. But Really, they're much closer to the 29-31 team in my book, even though I think offensively they're going to be better this season just because, I mean, last year uh, they their team wave runs created plus finished in 17th, um, which is actually pretty poor given the, the talent on this at on this lineup. Uh, team fifth, fifth finished in 11th despite all the injuries, and team defensive war was really bad. It was 28th. Um, the added and lost uh, portions – for this team, uh, they didn't lose that many guys. They didn't add that many guys either. Uh, they lost the one big guy they did lose was George Springer, though. Um, of course, I mean, that's an all-star caliber player that is just now out of the lineup. Um, and then the other guys they lost was Brad. The other guys that they lost were uh, Brad Peacock, uh, Josh Reddick, Roberto Asuna, Chris Davinsky, Cy Sneed, and Joe Biagini. And then they added Ryan Stanek. Pedro Baez, Jason Castro, Steven Souza Jr., Steve Ciszek, and Jake Odorizzi. So they did get worse but on on average than they did last season, especially when you lose a guy like Springer, you lose Osuna, you lose Reddick, even though they should, and even though that was the right move because now you get to play Tucker more. Uh, Chris Devensky has been a really important piece for them over the years. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much what they got in terms of the added loss. Um, let's start with the lineup because – like I said earlier, they really underperformed at the plate last year, and that was really strange to me. Um, there's some guys that I believe in in terms of bouncing back. Like, I think Bregman's going to be better this season. Um, Brantley's obviously really good. I think Correa's going to be better in the regular season. I mean, they're going to get Yardon Alvarez back after losing him all of last year. Um, their lineup's going to be good again. Their lineup's going to be good again. From where, from where It's going to be a lot closer to the lineup that was in 2019. Um, that we saw in 2019. I mean, Kyle Tucker, we're going to get a full year of him. He's a really good hitter at this point. He's kind of become underrated at this point, which is really strange um, given how high of a prospect he was. But I'm also not high on Jose Altuve, for example. Um, I think he's I think he's definitely, I don't know about totally washed up, but not the same player he used to be. And Miles Straw, Martin Maldonado, the finish out the lineup isn't great either. And then Yuli Gurriel is going to th- be 37 at some point this season. So, I don't like the I don't like how this how old this lineup is. I don't like um, the fact that they lose Springer and lose some depth in this lineup. But I also think it's gonna be better than it was last season. Losing Springer's tough, but the first place I look when I look at this lineup is getting Jordan Alvarez back because yeah. he played two he played two games last year. I mean, this guy was the rookie of the year in 2019. His offensive numbers were off the charts. And oh, by the way, only 87 games. I, so we haven't seen a full season of Jordan Alvarez yet. But when it's all said and done, this guy could very well be the Astros' best hitter. So when they have them back, when they have him back for a full season, I think that's a huge, huge boost to this lineup. I would think Bregman's going to bounce back outside of last year. You know, he's been one of the top 10 players, 10 hitters in the American League pretty consistently. 
Altuve is interesting because, I mean, he was so, so disappointing last year. And I just can't figure out what it is. Like, like, did he rely on using the trash can that much to the fact that he went from the best pure hitter in the American League to a guy who, you know, barely broke the Mendoza line? Like, the, I mean, because it's one thing to see a power guy that's a big strikeout guy drop off in a season. Like, that can happen. But for a guy that's as pure of a hitter as Jose Altuve has been throughout his entire career, to see a guy just absolutely die off like that and, and just totally lose all his production. You don't really see that. I think the main reason I'm kind of out on him is he's a 31 year old second baseman. Who's small. That's not great. The track record of that isn't great. Maybe that's just because of the Dustin Pedroia thing, but uh, I, 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 I don't know. I'm not super confident in him in him heading into the season. Um, and again, Guriel is 37. Uh, Carlos Correa is, somehow only 26 years old but it feels like he's 30 and he's always hurt so i don't totally trust that either even though i think he's gonna be better on on average this season um uh, compared to compared to what he was last season i mean and then brantley's gonna be 34 this year uh you know it's kind of an old lineup and i don't love that and it's a little it's a little stale in terms of just bringing back the same crew again and again and again not having a lot of depth behind them you know uh there's some injury issues here i mean led miss diaz is really the only guy off the bench that you trust uh i i don't know they don't have the same vaunted depth that they've had in years past and we said this last year too but that's especially the case this year so i don't know it's a weird lineup that i think will be better but i also don't fully trust either you know yeah i mean the truth is they're they're on the wrong end of this window like if it's yeah. not all the way shut it is almost all the way shut because point. correa correa is about to hit free agency after this year you got lucky bringing back brantley but again if correa is not hitting and then hits free agency you have altuve who's not hitting um you have guriel who like you talked about is old Tucker is still up in the air. Like, obviously, his ceiling is through the roof, but he still has to prove he can actually produce for an entire year. Like, there's he a hit, lot of he questions. He did well last year. He was a really good hitter he did. last year. He did. But again, again, just like every player in baseball, um, you have to see what it looks like in a full season. Okay. So th- th- that's my whole thing. And, and I think Kyle Tucker's a good hitter. And, 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 you know, this is a guy that posted an OPS plus of 123 last season. Um, but you look at his 2019 when he came up, granted a little bit younger um, and he was really good, but same thing, 22 games. So I just want to see a full season of it and see Kyle Tucker really string it together for a full year. So again, the thing with this Astro lineup is there's just a lot of question marks. And despite guys like Alvarez and Mike Bregman and, and others, you also have to depend on a lot of guys who haven't been consistent over the last couple of years. Mm. Yeah, and their bench is really bad, and, I, and there's some injury-prone guys here. It's a it's a strange lineup, base, basically what I'm saying. Um, it is. It's a very, very strange lineup, and like you said, it's very old, and, and it could go one way or another very easily. Let's go to their rotation, which has now become underrated? I guess so. I would have said it was more underrated if Framber Valdez was still healthy. Yeah, that's true. I love Framber Valdez. I think he's really good. I, I love that guy's curveball. I think he, he's, I don't know. I, I, I like him a lot. I love Framber Valdez, but his, his injury was kind of crushing to me. I kind of wanted to see what he was going to do heading into this season. Um, we're not quite sure whether he's going to come back this year or not. It, I think the, the jury's out on that, right? Um, yeah. But we'll see. But even without him, 
you put an Odorizzi into this rotation, which for whatever reason, this projection does not have him in the rotation. You, you replace him with Brandon Belak, which is who they have right now. And you have Granky, McCullers, Urquidy, Odorizzi, and Christian Javier, which is actually, there's no black hole there. You know, there's a lot of solid middle, middle of the rotation guys. And then Granky is more of a number two than he is a number three. So um, they have an interesting rotation. You know, I, I mean, Granky, he's going to be old again this season. He'll be 30. He's 37 right now. Um, but he's always seemed to, he's seemed to still pitch really well despite his age. He doesn't rely on velocity at all. Um, and all that late cutting movement that he has. And he'll be solid again for sure. Uh, McCullers, um, despite missing an entire season, came back and actually was more or less the same uh, mid to mid to high three ERA guy that he's been in the past. So he's really a really solid number three guy. Um, there's Urquidy, who's a nice back of, back end of the rotation piece, even though I want to see him strike out more guys. And then Odorizzi, really solid number three pitcher, right? And then Christian Javier, who dominated in the minor leagues for years and now is and after and last season was excellent for them. It kind of kept them afloat um, yeah. despite the fact they went under 500. So I think this rotation is actually pretty solid yeah and christian javier finished third in the rookie of the year voting uh, i mean this is a guy that you should expect to produce for this team this is a guy that you should expect to build on what he did in 2020 um i think the issue with it is unlike in years past not only do they not have two aces but they don't have an ace period zach Greinke's at the point where he's still good but he's not going to be an ace when this team was really good and they had justin verlander and garrett cole both pitching at ace level i mean that's when this team was really really thriving but now you have a 36 year old granky who's going to be entering his age 37 season followed by you know lance mccullers who's had some injury problems of his own and a bunch of young guys who have promise but they're going to have to piece it together i mean just like odorizzi odorizzi is probably the guy that you can i mean really depend on in this rotation at least to eat your innings and be consistent but yeah, it's just not the same rotation it, it used to be. I think it's a bunch of very solid guys, and there's a lot of young arms to like in this rotation. But, again, there's, there's a reason we're not picking this team to finish in first anymore, right? Because they've lost so much, and, and over the last couple of years, probably nobody more so than Garrett Cole to the Yankees and Verlander, who's not only aging, but is obviously going to be out this year with Tommy John. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm just a little more optimistic on their rotation than you are. Um, no, just, oh, no, no, no. I'm – I'm optimistic. Like, like I think they're going to be good. I just don't think it's going to be no, top no, of course, three, not, four no. in the American League. Good. That, that, I mean, that like th- those days are over. Like, I mean, I, I, I think that was a lot. La- I honestly like I kind of take that as a last year uh, talking point in terms of like the 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 ace days of Verlander and Cole and and, and ace cranky like, over like that's not happening again for them like those days mm-hmm. are done um they don't have the money um nor the uh, nor the players anymore to have to do anything close to that um but i mean considering all that they lost it's better than you think it would be i think that, i think that's my main point um even without framber valdez you know framber gets hurt and i love him he's like a number three starter at least and they still have a whole bunch of guys who are at least solid mid-rotation arms, if not better. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, the Greg- move was huge for them. I think if it weren't for that, I'd be a little more concerned. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, Granky McCullers or Kidi Odorizzi Javier, 
these are all guys that can probably be number two level starters at their ceiling. So if they all live up to that potential, that's a really good rotation. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it, I, I'm, I'm pretty disappointed we're not going to get to see Forrest Whitley again. I mean, that yeah. guy's career just seems to be taking a spin before he's even hit the big leagues. Yeah, I know. That's a good point. I mean, he was kind of going to be the answer for them in terms of the ace coming up, right? And then last year was kind of a disaster for him. Um, not 2019, I mean, was kind of a disaster for him. And then we weren't quite sure what happened at the alternate site, right? And then he gets Tommy John now. And it, 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 you're right, man. It, it is tough to see a young guy like that and see his career kind of be derailed that quickly. Um, I mean, him, Royce Lewis, Taylor Trammell. I mean, there's a few of these guys who it's like, what's, what's, what's going on right now? You know, um, you're kind of a bit confused, but I guess we're finally going to see it with Taylor Trammell this season. So that'll be kind of exciting. Um, uh, let's talk about their bullpen now. Um, it's pretty good. I've got to say, I mean, last year I thought it was going to be kind of disastrous after all the injuries they had to start the season, but I mean, all they needed was Ryan Presley as the, as the veteran guy. And they were able to piece it together with all these younger guys, you know? And uh, Pedro Baez is COVID right now, but whenever he gets back from the COVID, you got him, you got Andre Scrub once he comes back from a little bit of shoulder soreness. Um, whenever they get Josh James back, you, you get him back in the bullpen. But those are just the guys who are hurt slash have COVID right now. Even when you don't include those guys, um, you got Presley as the closer, of course, as I mentioned. Anoli Paredes, who I loved watching in the playoffs. I mean, I loved watching this guy pitch. He's nasty. I love this stuff from the left side. Um, Blake Taylor's decent. The right side, excuse me. I keep on thinking Noli Freitas is a lefty, and he's not. Um, that's my bad. Uh, they have Blake Taylor, who's okay. Joe Smith, who was excellent last season. I don't know how, how long that's going to last. Brooks Raley, who's at least interesting. Um, Ryan Stanek, who was awful with the, with the Marlins, but very good with the Rays. Maybe they can get him back to his raised form and be a good reliever for them again. Uh, Brian Abreu, who's 23 and at least has some potential and some ceiling. And Luis Garcia, who right now is sitting as the sixth starter for this rotation and is actually kind of one a pretty underrated minor leaguer. My, not minor leaguer, my prospect um, in this. Uh, he's been an underrated prospect for them for years and finally made his debut last season. So um, it's they have options here. Even without, even considering all the injuries that they're starting off the season with, so that's all I got to say. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, and as we've seen, as we've moved along with these teams, the bullpen seem to get better and better, which obviously has helped correlate to more wins. Yeah, I think the team we're going to talk about next is probably also in the same boat with this Houston team in terms of their bullpen. Um, but yeah, they've got a lot of good arms in that bullpen. You touched on most of them, and and um, yeah, guys like Paredes, guys like Presley, um, they anchor it. And I think this Houston bullpen's still really solid. Yeah, that's really all I got. That's all I really, really have to say about that. I think they're getting Francis Martez at some point this season, which is kind of funny. I mean, he's been out of the loop for a while now. He got suspended for the entire 2020 season. Um, uh, and yeah, they have a lot of options considering all the guys that they've lost, which is strange in that lineup and in the, in terms of arms, um, bats in terms of the bats and guys in the field, they don't have a lot of depth. Um, that's yeah, the problem I mean, with this team. It that is. might be the ultimate problem with this team. Like if two guys get hurt, all of a sudden they're not going to be able to hit or play any defense. So it's, it's a little dicey in terms of that, but it, you know, they have more arms than you think. That's all I got to say. 
They do. They absolutely do. So, uh, do you have anything else to add on the Astros? I think that's about it. I think we pretty much know who they are. I think we know their best years are behind them, but they've got a year, maybe two left with this group they have right now. Yeah. Yeah. At least they have young arms though. Like I don't know if they're going to go into like Orioles oblivion after this, you know, because the, just the amount of young arms they have. I mean, the Whitley, even like, even if you don't include Whitley, and if you include Whitley, it's even more exciting. Um, then I, I think they definitely have uh, the potential to maybe like lengthen to, to at least, you know, maybe spend on bats and, and just try to stay relevant after this group leaves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they won't go back. They won't go into Orioles mode, or should I say, uh, entering the American League Houston Astros mode back in 2013, 2014 when they entered the division because back then they were the Orioles. Um, yeah, but I don't think I don't think they'll get back to that even if they start to regress. Mm, yeah, totally agree. Um, uh, finally, last team, uh, our first place team in the AL West for this upcoming season, the Oakland A's. Um, this was a really like close and tight decision. And I think I went with the A's because I was kind of pleasantly surprised at how good their roster still was, despite some of the losses they had this off season. Um, and I, I, I believe in their arms and I like the ceiling in that rotation. I believe in their bullpen. I think it's one of the better bullpens in baseball. And I think their lineups can be better than it was. Not, maybe not. Uh, I think their lineup is better than I think some people will give them, will give them credit for. And I think they have some guys who I think will bounce back from really strange seasons last year. Um, and, and despite like some down years from Chapman and having him get hurt and Olsen having a down season and Ray Ramon Loriano not having the greatest of seasons, like despite all of that, they still won the division last year. So I, I mean, I, I'm pretty optimistic about this team heading into 2021. Oh yeah. I mean, don't let the down years and the Chapman injury fool you. Yeah. They still have the best corner infield duo in baseball, like Matt Chapman, and Matt Olson, when those guys are, when those guys are playing at their best, there's nobody better, both, I mean, offensively and defensively combined, the gold gloves, the power, everything. I mean, they dominate. And there's a reason Oakland's at the top of this division. Mm. This, they're one of the few teams in this division that have a good catcher, Sean Murphy, a uh, yeah. really good hitting catcher. Who, yeah. I mean, that, that's a guy who was really highly touted prospect for years and, now he's projected to hit fifth in this order. Um, they brought in, they very quietly brought in Mitch Moreland to add some depth to this lineup, which I thought was a really nice, cheap addition. Um, you know what you're going to get from a guy like that. Hit you know, 25 home runs, about an average hitter um, in terms of his weight runs credit plus around on 105, 110 range. Um, that's a nice addition. He can, pl- he can plug in and play some good defense at first base if you need him to as well. I mean, Chapman is elite, as we've talked about. Olsen is, I think, much better than the player we saw last last year. Mark Cano had, like, a career year last year. I don't totally believe in that, but I still think he's a pretty solid piece in left field. Ramon Laureano, I think, is better than the player that he was last season. He's a really exciting player, of course. Um, in the bottom of the order, Piscotti, Andrews, and Kemp, none of them are good, but I don't, but they all at least bring something to the table, whether it's offensively, in terms of some offensive ceiling with a guy like Piscotti or some defense when it comes to a guy like Andrew. So their lineup is actually pretty solid, despite the fact that they lost Marcus Semien. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest, you can throw Robbie Grossman in there too. Cause yeah. Robbie Grossman, Robbie Tough Grossman had a, 
a better year than people realize. I mean, that guy had one of the more underrated 60 game seasons in the American league. Yeah. And especially, especially for a guy who's been pretty much a career, um, you know, fringe starter. I mean, he, I mean, I shouldn't say fringe. He played 119 games in 2017, 129 in 2018 and 138 in 2019. But I mean, he's a guy that hasn't exactly like lit the world on fire in his big league career until last year when he put up a really good 60 game season. So yeah, like you said, um, tough loss with him, obviously losing Semien, but at least at the top half of that lineup, I mean, it's still really solid. And, and, and that's assuming that Chapman and Olsen are going to return to form and Sean Murphy's going to continue to hit. Um, this is a young lineup. I mean, obviously the A's are, are always young because they can't really spend money, but it's a young lineup ton of upside and um and they've got some stars right in the middle of it with chapman and olsen yeah it's not too young though i mean the youngest guy they have in this order is ramon laureano at the ripe age of 26 they have a lot of guys coming into form um uh chapman's 27 olsen's 27 uh sean murphy's 26 uh a lot of these guys younger guys that are coming into form as as players and and the, the surrounded by some veterans like andrews like canna can at 32 um but yeah this is a really fun team and yeah. uh i am quickly the, some of the guys that they lost in terms of like that lineup that that depth that we were talking about jake lamb tommy listella uh robbie grossman joaquin soria tj mcfarland liam hedricks mike minor marcus Semyon, dustin fowler chris davis and nate Orr for the guys who went out uh they added trevor rosenthal Mar- mitch moreland sergio romo jed lowry Pete cosma cole irvin Elvis Andrews and Adam Kolarek. I like the guys that they added in a lot, given their budget constraints. And even that the guy, even though they lost some pieces, like I thought they actually did a decent job of filling in the holes and trusting the fact that, yeah, we're going to get some bounce back, se- bounce back years from a couple of these guys. Um, their bench is really strange. Uh, at the moment, it's Aramis Garcia, Jed Lowry, Chad Pinder, and K.I. Tom, who is a Rule 5 guy from Cleveland. Um, it's a very strange bench. I think Chad Pinder can is is a really awesome bench guy. You can add him in a bunch of different holes, played a bunch of different positions. And Jed Lowry is the right kind of risk you should make if you're a team like the A's. Bring him back for the third time. You know what I mean? You know, just sure. Come back. I mean, Jed Lowry once upon a time had a five win season in Oakland. So I mean, he once had a lot of success there. Yeah. Um, so you never know if you can get if you can get him on the field and get anything out of him, that'd be great. He's 30. He'll be 37 this during this season. Okay. Yeah. See 30, 37. That's what I call not young. And, and obviously I'm half kidding. Cause that's really extreme, that makes but me I don't know. Good. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, exactly. I don't know. I look at this A's lineup and when I see a bunch of 26, 27 year olds, I guess I still call that in the window of being fairly young, especially yeah. since Murphy Murphy is yeah. still a rookie. Maybe we look at it differently. Maybe you see young is like 22, 23. I guess I see 26. Yeah, is I've still been seeing some of these rosters. And it's like the Phillies lineup where they have like Adam Hazley there, and Adam Hazley's like 23. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Know, I don't know. It's like stuff like Leo Tavares, we talked about earlier. He's 22. Yeah. He's the starting center fielder for them this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I, I guess. Gotta, yeah. I guess we'll call them. We'll call the A's young-ish. How about that? Yeah. Young-ish. Yeah, they are young-ish. I like their team. I, I like this team a lot, actually. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is what Billy Bean does, right? He he finds value in players, um, puts it around his core, in which he has with Chapman, Olsen, Murphy, uh, Loriano, and, and they're probably going to produce. Like I said, I mean, Elvis Andrews is a guy that, 
like you said, he's, he's not going to light the world on fire offensively, especially not at this point in his career. No, he's been a very bad hitter the last two years. 100%. And that, but you know what? If a place where he can not hit 300, but at least, you know, be decent, I feel like Oakland's the type of place that can revive a guy's career like that. So maybe Andrews can find some footing there. Um, he'll add some value defensively, which I think is what they kind of need at that spot. When you have yeah. that kind of an offensive team, like you need to have a good defensive shortstop and that's kind of what they did in that trade. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's the A's lineup yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it's top heavy for sure. The top five in that lineup is what is going to I don't know if it's totally top heavy because five through seven Murphy, Moreland, Piscotty. I don't hate that. You know, I don't hate that. I guess I'm lower on Moreland, I guess. Moreland's solid. He's fine. If he's hitting sixth, sixth, you're fine. I, I honestly, um, He'll just, he's 25 home runs and decent play, you know? Fair and enough. He's great in the beginning of the year, every season. Every year, he's, like, one of the best hitters in the league in the first two months, and then he stinks. But well, like, yeah, that's, and that's that's exactly that's exactly what he did in a shortened season last year, too. He was yeah. great with Boston. He got traded to San Diego, and he didn't hit. Yeah, but, I mean, that's what he does. He, he's great in the beginning of the year, and then he stinks. <laughs> yeah. But, like uh, – I don't know, like, but he's not like a horrible player either. If he's hitting six, you're fine, you know. No. So, I mean, I guess that's again going back to the type of guy that Oakland can bring in and get value and production out of. Like, that's a very, very Oakland A's type of guy is Mitch Marlin. Yeah, quite, and he gets on base a lot too. Like, that's a he's a very good OB. He's, he he doesn't take he doesn't swing at too many bad pitches. Um, next up is the rotation, which is a very interesting rotation. There's no clear ace here. But there's a lot of talent, you know. Um, I love Jesus Lazardo. I think that guy is so talented. His curveball is incredible. Um, he's only 23 years old. He's already had a major league season under his belt. Not a full major league season, but like, a, you know, the COVID major league season. But still, like, I, I, I like him a lot. Um, I think Montas is at least a solid middle, middle rotation guy for them. I think Manaya is overrated, but he's better than the guy who was last season. And Bassett's been quietly really good for the last two years. Puck is a super talented lefty. hasn't pitched in, hasn't pitched in a year or two, but I mean, when, when, the little we've seen him, we see it, right? We, we see how talented he is from the left side. It makes me a little bit worried if he's actually going to be the fifth starter for them this this season. I'd kind of prefer if they went bullpen game for that for that spot and kind of kind of eased him into the rotation, but. At the same time, like I like this rotation a lot, not just because the the floor is fairly high with this group, even though there's there are some injury concerns here, um, th- but the ceiling is extremely high, you know, just given how much talent how much talent there is on display here. Yeah, Chris Bassett is really good. I he's mean, underrated. Yeah, he finished he finished eighth in the Cy Young last year. Now he probably got a little bit lucky if you look at his FIP versus his ERA. His FIP is is much higher, but. I think he's still quietly one of the more solid arms in the American league. And, and people have kind of overlooked that the last couple of years, but Bassett's going to be in the rotation and, and he's going to, you know, he's going to pitch well, but the key here is not just Lozardo like you named, but you need both him and eventually AJ puck to just get out there, stay healthy and throw 150 innings because that's the key with these two. Those two guys can anchor that rotation. The problem is both of them have suffered so many injuries that they continue to get pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. When Lizardo's on the mound, he's great. 
but he just has to stay healthy, and it's even more the case with AJ Puck. Lazardo kind of found something last year in terms of his health, but again, that was a shortened season, so we will see what happens there. Um, and then Puck didn't pitch at all last year, and I'm kind of worried about him in general. But at the same time, like if if he's like your fifth pitcher as it stands right now in terms of according to the roster resource, and you have a guy like Manaya and Montas to at least uh, do do more than just innings, then he's almost a luxury at that point, you know. Um, they don't have a clear ace, which I guess is like kind of the one point with this team, but they have a couple guys who could be aces. Like Lazardo could do it. Like he's that talented, you know. Absolutely. Um, I think, and I think that's what they're expecting. Is they're expecting him to be the ace. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I wouldn't be stunned if he came out this year, pitched 130 innings, and had a one point and had like a 2.5 ERA. I wouldn't be stunned. He's that good. Um, and that's why their rotations kept really interesting heading into this season. I, I think that's why the rotation uh, is probably the best in the American League West is because you have the guys that you know are going to be solid and consistent and most likely on the field with your Bassets and your Manias and even your Mike Fires. But you have guys that can put it over the top yeah. if, they're health, if they're healthy and they're at their peak, like Lazardo and like Puck. Because like you said, last year, I mean, Lazardo's had injury problems throughout his young career so far. Last year, like you mentioned, he was finally on the field for a shortened season, but he probably could have been a lot better than he was. I mean, his whip was a little high. His ERA was probably a little higher than I thought it would be. Um, so the key for him is to really turn himself from, you know, a prospect into a true dominant major league pitcher. Yeah, yeah, totally agreed. Um Let's get to their bullpen before I wrap things up. Um, I love the Trevor Rosenthal move. This was also like a top 10 move of the offseason for me. Uh, I mean, to get him at a pretty cheap deal and then to spread it out the way they did was – he was the missing piece with Hendricks gone. Um, Hendricks being – I mean, they lost the arguably the best reliever in the game in Liam Hendricks, but to bring in a guy like Trevor Rosenthal to replace him – is kind of perfect. Uh, he's not quite as good as Hendricks, but I mean, Rosenthal was awesome last season and I, I, and I kind of believe in it. Maybe, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit too much, but I, I kind of think Trevor Rosenthal is back. And even if he isn't quite as dominant as he was last season, they still need that another, they still need that another, another strong arm because the rest of the bullpen is actually pretty good. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, Jake Diekman, to me is a guy that because he spent a lot of time with Texas yeah. watching him over the years I could never understand why he couldn't piece it together because I was a guy I was like this is a guy that's throwing 98 to 100 miles an hour from the left side and it's like he's got the stuff to be this dominant reliever I always wondered why in the world can he not put it together and he did I mean last year he was phenomenal in a shortened season yeah um and that's just one guy to complete a bullpen that has the chance to be really, really good. I mean, you talked about Rosenthal. Again, resurgent year last year. I think Oakland can count on him to be a pretty reliable guy. Um, and a guy I always look at, despite having a couple of down years, is Lou Trevino. And part of that is probably because I'm chasing what he did in 2018 and remembering how amazing he was in his rookie year. Yeah, but I'll always remember that that's there, and it wasn't that long ago. And despite him struggling over the last couple of seasons, and with relievers, they can bounce back at any point in time. With his stuff and the movement he has on his pitches, he, he was okay in 2021. 
he was okay, but he yeah. could come out in 2021 and be really good again for all we yeah. know. He was okay last year. I think I, I have faith in him being maybe even a little better than he was last year. I don't think we're going to see 2018 Lou Trevino again. I'd be kind of surprised. That'd be kind of surprising. Um, he was just so dominant that year. Uh, and that bullpen, that 2018 A's bullpen was excellent in general. And I don't oh, think Deacon, I don't, yeah, and I don't think Deekman as good as is as good as he was last season because he, I mean, the guy just doesn't throw enough strikes in general to be consistent enough. But his FIP over his career has never gone has gone over four once, which is surprising given how much how many balls this guy throws. But yeah, he's been actually a pretty steady reliever for years. I know he had those two four ERA seasons in 2018, 2019, but the FIPs were lower. Like he was getting a little unlucky. And then 2020, it all really came together in a really crazy, crazy, lucky fashion, right? I mean, his BABIP was over 300 in 2018 and 2019. And in 2020, it was under two. You know, it, it, it all of a sudden, the, like the if something something happened and he got he started getting lucky. Um, and like Sergio Rome was a fun guy to have, you know, as I mean, you're not trusting him as like your closer like teams used to do, but he's another arm, right? Um, I like JP. I, I like JB Walt again. He's, he's okay. Um, use Merrill Petit is a guy I've always loved and kind of respected as a really s- strong middle reliever. Adam Kolarik from the Dodgers. Great trade. Loved it. Um, he's the extra lefty. They kind of need Kolarik was really strong for the Dodgers last year, last year in that playoff run. Um, they trusted him in a lot of big moments against lefties. Uh, I like that move quite a bit. And Birch Smith was kind of dominant last season. I don't know if he's as good. I don't know if he's that good, but I respect Birch Smith because he's very tall and very fun. So I, I like this bullpen a lot, actually. And he's like the only guy ever to be involved in an A's Giants trade, if I remember <laughs> right. Which is which is just kind of odd. I mean, that's just kind of one of those odd things. Yeah. But yeah, I like but yeah, bullpen. no. I do too. I, I again, I think you kind of see it with the A's. And this is just who the Oakland A's are every year. Outside of a couple of players, you know, they, they don't have the star firepower that the Angels potentially do in their lineup offensively. But every single one of their three phases of their team is very, very solid. Um, you know, Billy Bean always puts together these scrappy teams. And as a result, they usually go out and produce pretty well every year. And I think that's what you're seeing with the A's. Their lineup, for the most part, is solid. Their rotation is really strong, has the potential to be even better with a couple of young guys on their way. And they've got a solid bullpen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I totally agree. I like the ceiling. I like the floor of this team, and I think there's some ceiling here too. And that's the part mm-hmm. that I'm really excited about. And they're not too old. They're not too young. I, I, I'm, I'm quite excited. Even though their minor league system is a bunch of crap, uh, the rest of the, 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 the major league team is very good. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what the, if the A's do this year, let's do some, before we go, the very last thing we're going to do here is like, just give me some idea, like percentages in terms of like what chances they have at making the playoffs, these, the top four teams in, in, in the AO West, because I'm giving the Rangers a 0% chance of making the playoffs, but the other, the other four teams, like what kind of percentage are you giving them for make, in terms of making the postseason? Um, it doesn't have to be like an equal 100 either. Like you, 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 I don't really care about that stuff, but it's just like, just okay. a generalization. I, I, I would say the A's are almost a lock to come out of the AL West in one way or another, whether they win the division or get one of the wild cards. I, kind of I would agree. figure, I would figure the A's. Um, is there a chance 
only one team out of the AL West makes the playoffs. There's a good chance. Well, because because here's the thing. Here's the thing about this division, right? It's not insanely, insanely loaded. It's not an AL East or an NL West. Like, like it's it's kind of right in the middle of the pack when you compare divisions this year. I thought it was good. I thought it was good when I when we started doing this. I thought it was, I was this was going to be the worst division that we're well we were going to do actually. Oh, the NL um, Central is the worst division. But the, the NL, NL Central ended up being a little better than I thought it it was, and the AL West also ended up being a little better than I thought it was. Really, so. I I think the NL Central is like the, the NFC East of baseball this year. Um, the Brewers are better than you think. The Brewers are pretty good. I they're not great. There's no very good team in, the, in that division it, and i think the feels, A's are probably better than anyone in the nl central but like the brewers are solid and the cardinals really seem, are better it, and really uh, see my team my one team in the nl central will be the cardinals and then i kind of think it's just going to drop off but may, maybe i'm wrong now the brewers are good like you gotta you gotta get, take a look at i picked the brewers to win the division i i, I like them a lot. they're they got a good team over there and it's cincinnati's a little better than you think um, and the Cubs are kind of bad, but like, I don't know, there's enough there. Like, I, I, okay. The NL central is probably the worst division in baseball after going through this AL West podcast and kind of realizing that, uh, the Mariners are a little better than what people think they are. The angels are wild, but can easily make the playoffs. Um, I had the angels, the playoffs around 20%. I had the Mariners around 15 to 20%, something like that. And then Astros at around 55 nah like 40 40 percent maybe even lower than that because of like how strong the al east and al central are in terms of like some of those top teams it's tough to see them miss, miss yeah the i would i would i would probably say the angels around 20 percent the mariners around 25 um the astros at like 45 and then the a's at like 60 yeah 60 to 70 yeah yeah I, I, I think I agree. I'm, I may, am I, yeah, I did. I see the angels around 20% or 25%. Yeah. Yeah, you, I think you I see did. 25. I don't know. Either way. Uh, it's, it's all about the same. Alrighty. Um, uh, Lyle, thanks so much for hopping on, man. This was, uh, I'm going to say this wasn't a marathon podcast, but it definitely wasn't short. So, uh, thanks for uh, taking your time talking about some baseball, man. Yeah. It's, it's been fun. Koki. Happy to do it. Happy to come back on anytime. Thank you all so much for listening to episode 27 of the Kogi Chronicles podcast. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, and spread the word about the show. Until next time, thanks for listening.